Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. It's the Sports Animals on Bobby Curran's show, aptly titled The Bobby Curran <laughs> Show on ESPN Honolulu. And uh, I, yesterday we were supposed to give away UH football tickets. And, uh, well, due to no fault of our own, um, we, well, we forgot. So today we've got two pairs of UH football tickets to give away. Also, we'll give away a four-pack of Rainbow Wahine volleyball tickets. So... I know the show isn't that much quality, but the giveaways are. <laughs> so makes up for a little. It <laughs> makes up for the lack we of hope. content on the show. <laughs> All right. Uh, top stories we're following today. The debate over Jimmy Garoppolo, whether it's a good or bad thing for him to be a 49er, continues. I guess on one hand, Chris, you could say they have the best backup in the league. And I don't think you could debate that too much. Still, it's kind of a messy situation, although the Niners are saying the right things now. Uh, let's see here. Aaron Judge hits his 51st home run. Why is that significant? Well, it's significant for a lot of reasons. One, he's only the second player ever to hit 50 home runs before September 1st. The other one was a guy named Roger Maris. And, of course, another reason is that he's that much closer to 60 or 61, even though people might look at Barry Bonds as 72. A lot of people look at Maris as 61, which I think will break. All right, and uh, the Star Advertiser is reporting now there's three quarterbacks in the mix for the as a, kind of in the race for the starting quarterback ship. I know that's not a word for the University of Hawaii. Yeah, I found that pretty interesting, and I, I, I'm not surprised. I guess after Saturday when we saw the two quarterbacks play, Timmy Chang after practice yesterday did talk about Cameron Cooper uh, maybe being in the mix as well. So it's not a surprise that three are in the mix. I have a feeling that he might not announced the starter until Saturday afternoon like last week. I'm sure I'll have a little bit more to say on that, if not a lot more, and call the coach tonight in about 12 hours from now. But I would like to see Camp Cooper play. Uh, I mean, if the other guys struggled, which they did, uh, they had nice drive. They also had inconsistent drive. Yellen started off really well, 10 of 11, then 0 for 9. Why not throw Camp Cooper in there? Give him a chance, and especially before conference play, see what you really got, which is kind of what Timmy said yesterday. He wants to see which guy separates themselves from the other. And until they do, it's kind of a competition, which makes sense. So if the two guys didn't separate themselves and Cooper was in the mix all summer, let's see you can get a chance in live action. And this Saturday, I hope he does. I, I know we talked yesterday, and I, I agree with what you said. I don't know if they'll play three quarterbacks in one game. That's pretty rare. But I hope we see at least two, and I do hope Cameron Cooper is one of them. I also hope that one of these guys does separate themselves. You don't want to go through that three or four games into the season. I mean, in a way, it's a good problem to have, but in another way, you got to have somebody who takes the reins and really is that starting guy, and hopefully one guy will show that he is that much better. 
and we'll see if Cam Cooper can do that. He can offer the running ability. Uh, and I, I, I thought both guys had bright spots last week. I, I was more impressed with Yellen. I know I talked more so about his arm strength, but I think it wasn't so much his arm strength, just the crisp passes. I think the ball just came out a lot quicker. To me, more accurate because than his, because he has arm, arm. That's that's due to arm strength. <laughs> okay, but it, but it, but it really showed in his passes. And again, yeah, the, sure. I was more impressed. Those, he just flicked his wrist. It was pretty cool to watch. It was it was Patrick Mahomes like. It was Aaron Rodgers like. I mean, man, I didn't see that in practice, but boy, you could see it on the. Uh, I was watching a replay, and it was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, ten of eleven really stands out. And I know again, he was over nine after that, but I also wonder. Because Braden Shager was not Timmy Chang's guy, and you hear that a lot in any sport. If it's not your guy, maybe you're not as much married to that guy or indebted in a way. You want to get maybe your own guys on board. And I don't think that would be the reason why Shager might not start. But I think but a is lot Kevin of us. But Cooper his guy? Well, he, yeah, I think he recruited him. I don't think uh, Todd Graham did, did he? I don't no, think you're so. You're asking the wrong guy. I'm just I, wondering. I'm, I, I think all those quarterbacks were there already. Wasn't well, Jeremy Yellen there already? Oh, no, no Joe, Joey Yellen. Joey Yellen, Joe came, Yellen. In, he came in Jeremy late. Jeremy Yellen was there already playing baseball. <laughs> yes. Joe, Joey Yellen. Yeah, he wasn't there yet. Okay. No, he came later on. Uh, I but know. I, you think you, you think he'd do that? You think no. the coach would really just go like, well, I didn't recruit you. This is the guy I recruited. Now, he recruited Yellen or, you know, whoever recruited Yellen with the mind of, okay, this guy can help our team, I think. But – I don't know that you go in and go, well, this guy's not my guy. I, I see you see that in pro athlete uh, athletics more than college, I would think. Yes, but I, the reason the reason I think this maybe is that is this is for this not so much that you're going to go with my guy because I recruited him and somebody else didn't is that. Braden Shager wasn't his guy. So sometimes a coach will just start the starter from the year before because he started the year before, and other guys coming in will really have to prove themselves. The other guy has the job to lose. I don't think it's necessarily that case for Shager, and I'm not positive about that. I just look at it that way from my own perspective where everybody's really even, and we saw that, of course, last week, as opposed to Shager having that job automatically because the coach had him last year and saw what he had in him already. Well, we'll find out, but that's kind of how I look at it. And I would like to see guys get a chance as long as you're going to play those two last week again give cooper a chance i'd like to see what he can do in a, in a regular game uh and if i also think this when you look at what yellen did last week i thought it was a quarter and a half he played one quarter and about four uh, five minutes he didn't really play a quarter and a half i don't know why he got taken out as early as he did in the fourth you, quarter you you answered your question earlier no but but no but over nine couldn't no, move but, the ball we did before that, but again, give him a little bit more time. Shager didn't really do a lot either. He gets taken out after a half. Yellen right. got taken out just a little over a quarter. So I just, yeah. you know, in my again, I, again, I trust the coaches. Oh. Unlike you, I always say that. Come on, but I, I, I just wondered about coaches that because uh, I'm not at practice every day with the program 24/7. Coaches are. <laughs> Sounds familiar. By the way, thank you, Kimo, who texted in. Todd Graham recruited Cooper. Chang recruited Yellen. Thanks, Kimo. Okay, okay, thank you for that. So I want to see Cooper get a chance, and I, I hope – I'd like to see each guy maybe get a half. I, I don't know if a quarter, quarter and a half is long enough if you're going to really grade them on game action. I don't know if you can say that. If if the starter – say the starter is uh, Joey Yellen, and he comes out and puts up three touchdowns in the first half, you're going to sit him down to see what you have in Braden Shager? Sorry, Shager. No, it's, it's something not like that. Fair. It's, it's not, not the, fair. It's kind of ironic that you say that. It's um I'm gladful I did. <laughs> 
if he if he's lighting it up like that, sure. But if you're going to give each guy game action, give him a, give him a, and, and and if Yellen throws for three touchdowns and they're up by enough, maybe you can afford to give somebody else a chance as well. It's almost like when you're losing by three touchdowns, you might bench somebody if you're okay. up by three touchdowns. And I hope that is the case. I'd rather see it that way, of course, this Saturday uh, for a change from last week. Okay, let's go back to reality. We're playing Western Kentucky, pretty good football program. Yeah. If I mean, if we are up by three touchdowns, that's great. But I don't think I don't think if we're up by three touchdowns, you you got to leave that guy in. You're up by three touchdowns. You don't start experimenting and and go. Okay, we're going to play somebody else in the second half. A whole half of football is a long time. That's a good point. You can do it while it's you're trailing. Point. By three. It's a great. Ah, point. That's an okay point. It's a. Cliche. I mean, it's a. It's a captain obvious it's a cliche. point. It's, I was going to say a cliche. that. It's a captain obvious point. I guess, but I mean, it was what I'm true. saying is you're saying yeah. I'd like to see both quarterbacks in the game, and I'm saying, well, why? I'd like to see one quarterback do great and settle this whole thing. Well, because if you're going to, if because the reason I say what well, reason you ask why, my answer with that is be if you're not sure where the starting quarterback is, if somebody has a great half, is that going to be enough without having another guy get a chance? If it's yeah, open competition, you, gotta, you have a chance in practice. That's why they practice. But, but then look what happened on Saturday. As had, everybody Chang had a chance said, in practice. As Coach Chang said, but they couldn't separate themselves, obviously, right? If you have somebody all of a sudden separate themselves, you bench them. Hey, great job. Here's your reward. Sit down. Uh, it's, this isn't the preseason football game. No, but Chager obviously did separate himself. That's why he was the starter on Saturday. They didn't have plans to play each quarterback a half. He separated himself to get that starting job. They, he showed it in we practice. Don't, we don't know that. We do not know that. Well, then why did he start? Maybe they were about the same, and he just has more experience. I don't know that he sep- totally separated himself because they were they they pulled him pretty quick. Well, halftime. That's not very quick. Sure, it is. How many how many times does that happen in college football? Watch this week when the rest of the teams play in college football. How many times is the starter going to be benched at halftime? Not a lot. Yeah. Again, great point. <laughs> Keep them coming, Dickman. <laughs> Somebody, really uh, Jeff texted in. Um, uh, speaking of Captain Obvious, we had a, we had a lot of conversation about this. The Michigan coach is starting one quarterback one week and a different quarterback against Hawaii. Yes, we know that. And the reason being, they haven't separated themselves. Yeah. Now either they're both bad or they're both really good. We don't know, but we'll find out. But those guys get a full game each as of right now. I mean, one guy they already announced the start. So I think that's a little bit different, but it's also a similar It's a little different, I guess. It yeah. is, yeah. 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 Again, I guess we all agree is that we hope somebody really separates themselves and really, you know, it shows that they are that guy. And, again, it's a good problem to have if you have more than one quarterback. That's good. But the old saying is if you have two quarterbacks, you've got I don't none. know. If, yeah, that's, again, I don't know that this is a good thing. I don't think this is a good thing. This isn't Joe Montana and Steve Young we're talking mm. about. Captain Obvious. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm yeah. just saying. It's, it, it's yeah. not, you just said it's a good thing that we have a battle. I'm saying, no, it's not a good thing. Well, I think I think it's a good problem to have is that you've got two guys that are that good, hopefully, as opposed to two guys who are that bad. I don't think they're looking at it like that either. Well, you saw the performance of both players yeah. against an SEC bottom feeder last week. So this is not a good problem to have based on the past performances. Now, maybe, you know, everything kind of unraveled with all the turnovers and the drop balls and the missed tackles and a lot of mistakes, and, you know, it just affected everybody after a while. Maybe that was the reason. Maybe it started with the lack of being able to move move the ball offensively, 
which affect other things. I, I don't know. You know, one thing I think, if you want to look at some positives from that game, Hawaii threw 55 passes, no interceptions. I think that's good. I mean, I know yeah, the fumble stand up, but no turnovers by these quarterbacks. you got to give them a little credit for that. Yeah, they had some good drives and some bad drives, more of the bad, unfortunately. But the fact that they didn't turn the ball over with any interceptions I thought was good. They didn't fumble the ball. And I know Dietrich Parsons had those two costly fumbles, which I hope he will never do again. But I think that, that was one of the positives I take out of that game, that I, I think that's something we should look at as well. Uh, and in the game that lopsided, you might expect more of that. Uh, you know, So I'm, I'm glad about that. Hopefully hopefully they can continue, not continue to improve, show improvement again. We talk about week one, week two, really every week. And that's what I think makes this game so interesting. Western Kentucky on paper, it sounds weird to some people. They are a better team than Vanderbilt. You know, their Conference USA versus, you know, SEC. But I want to see this Hawaii team I wonder. play. Go, you want to see yeah. this Hawaii play? Go ahead. I want, I want to see Hawaii play better every week. And I think, again, some people hope that or actually predicted a win straight out over Vanderbilt, and I think that might have been asking for too much. But now that, you know, you have that one game under your belt, there's a lot of things I'm sure these coaches looked at. You mentioned yesterday, and I think this happens a lot, is that coaches go right up to the office after a basketball and football game, and they just watch film immediately and probably for hours. There's a lot of things they notice they can take away from that, and maybe that will help showing the players some of the mistakes that are real, fixable, and correctable. And so many of them you always hear are. Now it's a matter of actually going through that and fixing some of those things. I wonder if there's more positions that are up for grabs, and I'm sure there are, than just the quarterback position. We focus on the QB, of course, because it's, you know, in, in college, pro, it's really the most important. At this level, it's the most important position on the team. But are there a couple of safeties that, that, that lost their jobs or that are now up for grabs again? Again, uh, information people want to know, and you can find out on Call the Coach tonight. Yeah, I, I, and I'm wondering about that, too, if there'll be any other personnel changes. We saw quite a few players play, and some of it was what you would maybe call garbage time on Saturday when the game really got out of reach. But I do wonder if they'll do any uh, changes there. Again, I, I thought there were some other bright spots as well. I mean, we didn't have any sacks, and uh, Vanderbilt had three. I don't think three is a really bad number, especially against a team yeah. with that size. Uh, so I think the O-line overall did pretty good, all things considered. I mean, I know they had the most experience as well, so that probably should have been expected as well. Um uh, this Western Kentucky team, if you go back to last year, and I know it's not the exact same team, new quarterback, they averaged 44 points a game last year. They scored 38 last week. So we yeah. saw what Vanderbilt did, probably not known as a really great offensive team, but they did a number on Hawaii. So I'm hoping Vanderbilt hopefully will be kept down with their offense because they were potent last year, obviously. Right. I hope Vanderbilt goes on to win, like, you know, six games this year or something like that. You know, they have yes. maybe an upset in the SEC. They win all their non-conference games. Um, I don't know what their schedule looks like, but that that would make us feel a little bit better about ourselves, wouldn't it? Yeah, and they have Elon this week, so that should be an easy one for them. And I go back to last year when UCLA opened the season at home against Hawaii. UCLA was coming off a pretty bad year with Chip Kelly. I think he was probably on a little bit of a hot seat. And they beat us 44-10. I think at the time fans were wondering, is this Hawaii team not as good as we thought, or is UCLA maybe improved? UCLA, as it turns out, was improved. You know, they weren't in the Pac-12 championship, but they were a much better team last year than the year before. I don't think Vanderbilt's going to be even middle of the pack necessarily of the SEC, but maybe they are improved. Maybe they are a team that instead of going 2-10 and 10 and 0-8 and in conference will win five games and maybe two conference games, and that'll show improvement. 
then maybe the loss won't look as bad. But I think the loss won't look as bad if this team gets better. And, you know, we, we know how Michigan's going to be the week after. I don't think Hawaii's going to overlook Western Kentucky. But I, I hope they can really show improvement in a lot of areas. One thing I also wonder about, and this is probably a sidebar to some, I hope this game's a sellout. If fans are jumping off the bandwagon already, I mean, last week was a hard ticket to get. We know it sold out a few days early. The people that were there, for the most part, really liked the experience. They didn't like the score, but they liked a lot of other things about it. I'm hoping that we still get 9,300 fans. I think that'll be, to be honest, embarrassing if we don't sell out. That That's not a hard number to reach, I, I, I feel. So I'm just wondering about that, and we'll see in a few days about that. All right. It's uh, 16 after the hour. We'll have a traffic update momentarily here on ESPN Honolulu. As we mentioned, call the coach with Timmy Chang tonight. And then uh, so it's the first the last one we're going to have for a couple of weeks. So uh, come on down tonight if you want to support Coach Chang and uh, show him that you're still behind him. Then uh, come on down to Ruby Tuesday, Moanalua and uh, the Moanalua Shopping Center. And uh, John Veneri and the rest of the uh, gang from the radio station will be there. So 6 p.m. tonight, you can call or text in your questions. I don't think anyone ever calls call the coach anymore. I think we got to change the time. Kanoa Leahy uh, suggested call it contact the coach. <laughs> contact the coach tonight at Ruby Tuesday. Everyone just texts in. But anyway, uh, come on down and join us for some great food and um, poo-poo. It's brought to you by Ruby Tuesday Hawaii, of course. Also, IBEW, Local 1186, Hawaiian Financial Federal Credit Union, Hawaii Pacific Health, H-G-E-A and PAXA. Oh, traffic is a mess coming into town. We'll keep you updated. Uh, We'll have another report coming up here in about eight minutes on ESPN Honolulu. Well, I I didn't want to click on it, but the uh, college football bottom ten came out. I clicked on it. Well, there we are. (laughs) Ouch. In the bottom ten. Now, if you're number one in the bottom ten, does that mean you're the worst or is number ten? On the bottom ten, the worst. I don't know. Do you know? I would. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'd be guessing. I think Nebraska deserves it, though, and they're number ten. But that's a good one. I'm not really sure. Could not not all those teams played last week. Now this is just this is not scientific. This is just a writer that writes for ESPN.com, and uh, yeah. So instead of Nebraska, he calls them No Nebraska. And then uh, let's see. Uh, Louisiana Monroe is ninth. New Mexico, which is referred to as whew, Mexico, at number eight. You can't, Yukon, is number seven. Uh, anyway, the list goes on. So Hawaii is number two, right behind UMass. Most people know as UMass. The um, UMass last year uh, scored 24 touchdowns in 12 games, which actually makes them the only one point scored every. Anyway. Um, <laughs> This this is what they wrote about Hawaii. You know what? They use this as bulletin board material. It says, 
I used to get so mad at my social studies teacher back in eastern North Carolina when she would pronounce the name of the state Hawaii. But Saturday, after getting steamrolled 63-10 to 10 by bottom 10 stalwart Van Duh Bilt, Rainbow Warriors QB hero turned head coach Timmy Chang was likely saying it like that too, as in, Hawaii, did I come back here? <laughs> That's cruel. Anyway, we're just reporting the story. We didn't write it. We're just, just reporting it. Hey, use it as bulletin board material. You know what? I mean, if you become a uh, – that see, what that was – was that was a meme before memes came out, the bottom ten, really. It's yeah. a written meme. They, You know, I think it would be Hawaii number two overall with UMass. UMass is the worst team. And I think when you lose 63-10, to 10, uh, they rode to a team that's usually down there. That might be the reason. But, again, not even all these teams played last week. And, of course, it's just a fun column there, fun article there. And uh, hopefully Hawaii will shut them up in weeks to come. But uh, I can't blame them. I, mean, I, would, I would have predicted they'd be in the bottom ten after last week because of the score and because of the teams that played or more – importantly the teams that didn't play hopefully they'll be out of that list next week if they can pull yeah which would be a big upset over western kentucky it's one game come on but now now folks who go you know i've heard this i heard this even yesterday afternoon on the radio you know look at uh you know look where coach june jones started he lost to usc june jones is a seasoned nfl coach there's a difference between that and a first year head coach so if we come storming back and do, it's great. But we got to remember, I think we need to be patient. Again, with the team, we have to be patient with these young set of coaches. A lot of these guys don't have tons and tons of experience, and including our head coach, and that's okay. Let's get behind them. Let's get behind them and root on the team. It's going to hurt a little while, but it's like you like to say, when we start winning again, it's going to be that much more. Uh, that makes it, it's going to be that much more fun. Yeah, and I was thinking actually about that again last night because I'm a fan of a lot of teams, and for some reason, a lot of my teams struggle for a lot of years. But when you <laughs> not this year, but when you're behind your team and they win, it's the best feeling in the world as a fan. If you're an Alabama fan and they're winning every year, well, it's, there's no drama there. It's only you only get upset when they lose to a team like in the playoffs or the championship game like the Georgia. But if you're a team that doesn't have great years, you're still a fan of that team, and then they rise to the top like Hawaii did, especially in 07 going to the Sugar Bowl. You remember how that felt when everybody probably figured in the Mountain West that Boise, or the WAC, excuse me, that Boise State would be the team again, and Hawaii surprised people. When your team does that, it's the greatest feeling. And when this staff was hired, starting with Timmy Chang, they were hired for the long haul, not just for one game, not just for one season, for the program, for the culture, for the big picture. Yeah. And it is just one game. And I know a lot of fans are realizing that. I love the co- the comments by a lot of them. But there are some fans that are already jumping shit. Oh, we should have hired June or Timmy shouldn't have been here or shakers not come on i mean i think that ha- again, i know what happens everywhere but let's be realistic this is a big picture we're looking at and with all the losses then if you want to compare them to june june didn't lose a starting quarterback from the year before dan robinson was there the year after um you had so many guys that you know jeff olbrick was there the year after hawaii this year we know they lost every good the best defensive players they had 
and they lost their starting quarterback to transfer. So this is even a, different, a harder situation, a different situation than June. I, I hope people who are really critical are just doing it in jest, that they don't really feel that way after just one game. And I know the lopsided score gave maybe more ammunition, but when your team wins, there's nothing like it. And this yeah. team will get better. I mean, I, I really believe that. And it might take more than a year. I don't know. It might take a month. I think it's going to be little by little, but it's fun to be on that journey as a fan, I feel. And I've been on those journeys. Sometimes it doesn't end in success for a really long time. But when it does, there's nothing better. And yeah. that's what I think fans are supposed to do. Be supportive. Be loyal. Back your team. And you're part of the journey then. When they have the success, you can celebrate as well. And I can't wait for that day to happen. And I still, of course, have faith in Timmy Chang and this program and a lot of these players. They will get better. It's going to be fun to watch it when it does. I got a, uh, we got a text from uh, the 781 area code. It says, proud Minuteman here, UMass. <laughs> UMass is definitely the worst FBS program. <laughs> Poor guys. Why doesn't anyone want to go play at UMass? What's wrong with UMass? I mean, it's like a I sp- mean, they had Nick Rolovich for a week. He didn't yeah. want to coach there. Typical college town. There's nothing really around it. Small campus, a decent basketball team years ago. But uh, whatever reason, they have really, really struggled. They've never really – I wonder if they've ever made a bowl game. Probably not. I don't know if they ever have actually. They haven't. They haven't been, how long have they been in existence as an FBS program? Not, not a long, long time. Not a long yeah. time. That's true too. But yeah, they are. The, kind uh, of the we best. got a, got another text. The offense. By the way, keep listening. This hour, we're going to give away uh, Rainbow Warrior football tickets. Okay. The offensive and defensive lines. Oh, and Coach Bud's going to join us in a couple of minutes too. The offensive and defensive lines are the most important in college football. Maybe the SEC and the Big Tens of the world who get billions for TV rights have too great an advantage in recruiting the biggest and most talented linemen. I would have to agree with you 100%. Thank you for the text. Great I mean, this, point. Well, I mean, you look, you watch towards in the third quarter. I mean, Hawaii's defensive line was just getting pushed back five yards. Those guys were, and I told you, these guys, you know, I was. I mentioned how big they were. And people say, big doesn't mean anything. Who told me? It's all about speed. And it was like, you know what? Those guys lean on you. We've seen it before. We've seen Hawaii in the old days stay, you know, stay tight and close with Notre Dame for three quarters. And then all of a sudden, Notre Dame just picks it up. Because, you know what? Those, those guys just leaning on you and leaning on you and leaning on you the entire game. It, 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 it takes a lot out of you. And you could see it by the third quarter. Hawaii was just getting just getting pushed back by these mammoths, these mountains of men. I don't think we'll have an offensive line going up against Hawaii this year that's going to average six six. I mean, I mean, <laughs> everybody's over three hundred. Almost every college O line is around right. there, if not a little higher. But six six is pretty impressive, and I don't think that's going to happen in the Mountain West. And I, I haven't seen Western Kentucky's uh, depth chart yet, but I would imagine they're not six six all across the board. But we'll find out for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. So Coach Bud's going to join us. Uh, good start to the Rainbow Wahine soccer season. She's next on ESPN Honolulu.
Sports Animals on the Bobby Kern Show on ESPN Honolulu. And we want to welcome our first guest of the morning, a very successful homestand to start the home season for hey. Rainbow Wahine Soccer. And we are joined now by the head coach, Michelle Bud Nagamine. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. And, yes, very impressive 2-1 to one and one nothing defense outstanding, goaltending outstanding. I want to go back to Thursday, though. At halftime against Seattle, your team was up 2 nothing and already had nine shots on goal. That seemed like an awful lot for a half of soccer. <laughs> well, we were so excited to be back home at YPO Soccer Stadium that I think we just came out with a lot of energy. And, you know, Sunday games are always hard. It, it was really, really hot. It's our first Sunday at home. And it was just uh, – it was, it was a big thrill for the, the players and the coaches. On Sunday, you did beat Nichols, and that was one nothing. and another really good game where you outshot them 21-2, to two, another amazing differential there on Sunday. Yes, uh, getting 21 shots in a game and only getting one in, a lot of people will say, well, that's not a good you know, finishing percentage. But the, uh-huh. the thing that we're looking at is, is the fact that we're creating these opportunities that – we just need to tweak up a, a little bit of the mechanics. Just some, you know, I, I like to call them brain farts sometimes. You know, you get all excited <laughs> and, uh, and, and it just happens, you know. So finishing is the hardest part of the game, as we all know. But I was really proud of the effort uh, of, of every player because we made so many substitutions and got everyone in the game. So it was, it was great to see that they could, they could string together a really good showing with everyone contributing. Something else that stands out, you mentioned everybody getting in the game, and we'll talk about the goal scorers, but seven different players have scored a point this season, so you see the balance there. On Sunday, it was Krista Peterson with the goal, and on Thursday's game, Elisa Amendola and Emily Cottrell scored. So talk about those players and what they looked like for the homestand and what you expect from them the rest of the season. Well, you know, we have a, a very young back line, but the good thing is we have a seasoned uh, group of midfielders and with Chelsea Sumita up top, it brings a lot of experience into the, the offense. So while we're stri- still kind of struggling to find an identity, it's nice to not just be that one-trip pony where poor Chelsea Sumita gets triple-teamed every game. You know, now we've got Amber Gilbert, you know, who is a very, very fast forward who is recovering from ACL. So she's a junior, but because of her ACL and the pandemic, nobody's seen her for, for you know, a few years now. So these are her first minutes that she's getting. And it's been great to have uh, a variety of people who can put the ball in the back of the net. Definitely creates a, a bigger offensive threat, gives the other team something to think about. And we're no longer just, you know, Eliza and Kelsey on the scouting report. You know, you also look at your goaltending. You had, um, get the name right, Sophie Augustine, uh, her first career start. Uh, talk about how what she has played so far this season in the three games. Well, Sophie, we are definitely in a very luxurious position having three really good goalkeepers. Any one of them could start and play and hold any team in any game. That's how talented they are. Unfortunately, one plays at a time, and we've been splitting time between Lauren Marquez and Sophie Augustine initially early on in the season um, because they're, they're just both very different goalkeepers. Lauren has tremendous t- technical ability. Sophie is an absolute beast. She's one of the best shot stoppers we've had, and she's German and Brazilian. 
and uh, has been going to school in Oklahoma. So she's a, she's a German-Brazilian country girl that we brought wow. right out of the Midwest and dropped her in the middle of Honolulu. Right on. <laughs> Coach uh, so she, Michelle Nagamine with awesome. Michelle Nagamine with the animals here on ESPN Honolulu. Almost sounds like the quarterback situation for the University of Hawaii, looking for somebody to separate themselves. Do you plan on doing that on the road trip coming up this weekend with Portland and Portland State? Yes, we're going to see how everybody shakes out this weekend. This week at practice, and we leave on Friday, so a little bit different. We play Sunday, Thursday this upcoming week. So we will uh, see how the, the keepers doing training today and then uh, and tomorrow. We've already set our roster, so they're both traveling. Um, but we do intend to uh, take a look at both of them in the games this weekend uh, and, and next week, Thursday, just so that we can see if there's any separation that's created uh, before conference play. So those two matches, those two games against Portland and Portland State, those are the last two before Big West play starts. That starts two weeks from tomorrow against UC Davis. Yes, and opening up at home is going to be a luxury, but Davis is on a roll. They've, they've beat Santa Clara. They've had some, uh, some really good results, and they're having a good season. And I think for us, going to Portland, this is, this is a, honestly a game that I've tried to avoid because they, Portland <laughs> is a rabid, rabid soccer uh, school, you know they have University of uh, Portland star Megan Rapino is a, is their most famous alum, Christine Sinclair. So they have a very storied history uh, within their their program. So they get about they get thousands of people at their game, wow. and really kind of uh, the, the the atmosphere at Merlot Field is just incredible. So I think it's going to be a great experience for our our players to to have this weekend. How were the crowds last weekend at YPO? I know the concession stands are open. How were the crowds overall? Oh, the crowds were good. We had a lot of little people. It probably took us 25 minutes to sign autographs after the game. It was fantastic. We were very happy and I, uh, to have the crowd back, you know, with no restrictions. And I think as more people figure out that this team can play, I mean, our the first half Seattle – uh, against Seattle last week Thursday was probably the best half of soccer I've seen from from our team since I've been here. So that's a, I know that's a big statement, but it's 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 true. You mentioned that um, in Portland, like there's a you know thousands of people are going to go watch the game, and you know some teams react differently to that. Some teams would be maybe uh, intimidated by it, but. Are we more intimidated by a big crowd, or do you think we'll go out there and get pumped up because we're playing in front of thousands of people? Well, I think that our team, we were talking about the heckling that we got on the road at Grand Canyon. They thought Whoa. it was hilarious. Oh. <laughs> we, we got heckled at Grand Canyon, and it was the, the players came off the field, and they're like, did you hear what that guy said? That was so funny. <laughs> so they really, I don't think they take it personally. You know, they're, and nowadays, it's so different than when I played. I mean, fans are nasty. They're like stalking people on Instagram and social yeah. media. They're like using social media posts against players. I mean, it's just, it can be pretty nasty. So I think the Grand Canyon uh, fans, were, it was pretty much all in good fun. But I think uh, getting that crowd at Merlot Field, I'm not sure what their Sunday crowds have been like post-pandemic, but I do remember um, what they were like when I was playing back in the day when I was at Santa Clara, and the crowds were huge then. So wow. They were just building their program. 
Wow. Keep That's hearing exciting. that about Grand Canyon for other sports, how the crowds and the student sections are really, really intense, but all in a good way. So that is kind of good to hear. When you mentioned uh, UC Davis as the first Big West opponent coming up, who are some of the Big West teams we uh, hope to look out for and hopefully will not be ahead of us in the standings? Well, Irvine is just on fire right now. They they beat Cal. They've had um, multiple people scoring. They just uh, – they beat Nichols uh, State 5-1 on uh, – on, they just played them the other day. I think it was Monday. Uh, um, so, you know, I don't know or, – or maybe it was yesterday. I'm sorry, it was yesterday. So, you know, having Nichols get, play us and HPU and then go to, um, go to play against Irvine, it was – I was like, why would you do that? Irvine is the, the number one team in the Big West right now. Um, but, you know, I know they were tired when they got off the plane. But when you look at all the different teams that are doing well, Riverside's having a good year. Davis is having a good year. Santa Barbara struggled a little bit. But, uh, but Long Beach, you know, has played good teams as well with high RPIs. So the, the conference is just going to be really, really infuriating because there's no time to take a breath. Is it still the first four teams make the Big West tournament like it was before? No, actually, we have six teams in the, the tournament now, but we also have 11 teams in the Big West. So All right. Any team, any team, any given day, you know, when we increase the number of teams with UC San Diego and Cal State Bakersfield, they decided to, we wanted more representation uh, for the conference tournament. So they will, they will protect the, the top seeds with a playing game. And then uh, now the conference tournament has expanded to six teams as of this uh, fall. So that's very exciting news. And that is a good thing. You don't play Irvine until the last game, so hopefully that will be a battle for first place. Congratulations on the two victories at home. We wish you good luck on the road, and we'll see you when you get back home for Big West play in two weeks against UC Davis. All right. Thanks, thanks guys. And please, everybody, remember tomorrow is our annual day of giving. So, so check out our website, and, and this is the 50th anniversary of Title IX and Rainbow Wahine Athletics, so go Bows. All right, we'll share uh, details on that coming up here on ESPN Honolulu. Thank you to uh, uh, Coach uh, Nagamine for joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. Okay, uh, bad traffic. We'll have an update for you momentarily, uh, but wa- before we do that, if you'd like to go to Rainbow Warrior football against Western Kentucky this weekend, call in right now at 808-296-1420. We'll have a Rainbow Warrior football trivia question for you, 808-296-1420. Call in and win right now on ESPN Honolulu. Right, Gary's got an easy trivia question. Keale calling in. He wants UH football tickets. How's it, Keale? How's it? Hey, good morning, animals. Hey, okay, here's your question. Can you give us the name of the starting quarterback from Saturday's opener against Vanderbilt for the University of Hawaii? Schaefer. What? Say it again. Schaefer. Schaefer? Schaefer. Oh yeah, that's not it. Sorry about that. I know I know you were on the right line. Anyway, 808-296-1420 our number to call in if you want to win. You heard the question, who started the game at quarterback for the University of Hawaii last week? 
All right. So uh, Tanner is uh, getting the phone line at 808-296-1420. Next hour, we have Rainbow Wahine uh, volleyball tickets to give away, and then we'll give away more football tickets as well. Well, it's uh, we've got uh, buy or sell coming up in about 10 minutes. Today is the official last day of summer. Now, depending on you ask, it's, you know, it's your last day to enjoy the summer. I guess meteorologists believe fall starts on September 1st. Other scientists go by the autumnal, autumnal, I don't even know how to say it, equinox, which happens every year on September 22nd. So it's the unofficial last day. We don't know when the actual last day of summer is, I guess. I thought okay, Dwayne, the 22nd. Dwayne is calling in. Hello, Dwayne. Hello. Okay, go ahead, Gary. Ask him a question again. Who was the starting quarterback for the University of Hawaii versus Vanderbilt this past Saturday? Shager. Shager. Yes, bring it in, Shager. You got it. You're going to the game. All right, congratulations. <laughs> Hold on the line. We'll get an email and email you the tickets. And, uh, of course, uh, like I said, we'll have more to give away coming up here momentarily on ESPN Honolulu. Happy birthday to Larry Fitzgerald, 39 years old. And uh, he was the Cardinals' all-time leading receiver. Um, He was a ball boy for the Minnesota Vikings when he was a kid. So he's been involved in football for a long, long time. His father, I think, was Minnesota, big fan. And I guess he is a surefire Hall of Famer. I wish he didn't retire. I don't even know if he officially retired. He just never played last year, and we never really heard it. But I always loved him as a player. Seemed like a great person off the field as well. That's what I like about him as well. Right. He was a great uh, – he is a very good golfer. I don't oh, really? know what his handicap is, but in all those celebrity tournaments that Tony Romo and those guys play in, mm. Larry Fitzgerald is uh, often seen there, too. All right, we've got buy or sell in our top stories coming up on ESPN Honolulu. Top stories coming up in a second here on ESPN Honolulu. But I think it's time for uh, Tanner Hayworth to do your thing. The Bobby Curran Show presents Buy or Sell. Good morning, guys. Let's jump into Buy or Sell today. Of course, big news from yesterday. Alex Leatherwood, second-year offensive tackle from Alabama, was put on waivers by the Las Vegas Raiders. Of course, he was claimed today by the Chicago Bears. Leatherwood becomes the third consecutive first-round pick from the Raiders to not make it past two years on the team, joining Henry Ruggs and Damon Arnett. The Raiders' drafting woes goes way past that with multiple players from the John Gruden-Mike Mayock era either being drafted multiple rounds way too early and a majority no longer on the team from those 2019 draft years to 2021. Buy or sell, the Gruden-Mayock duo is one of the worst coach-GM duos in NFL history. I'm going to... You know what? I'm going to... I'm going... I'm going to sell that. I almost bought it, but I'm going to sell it. By the way, there's like three players also, they have not picked up their fifth-year options as well. But um, I'm going to sell that because you would think... With all of their drafting woes, the Raiders should be a bad football team, but they're not. 
Now, is that because they have uh, great success with the guys that got there, be, you know, the guys they brought in before Gruden got there? I don't know, but I just think that if they were if they were that bad, the team would be horrible. They'd be jet-like, and they're not. Yeah, I'm going to sell it as well. And I was going to bring up uh, Joe Douglas or a few. Oh, Joe Douglas was actually not that bad. The former Jets GM before that, who was with Jacksonville, they were bad. It's not their drafting that caused Henry Ruggs not to be on the team. So I wouldn't hold that against Gruden or Mayock. That was something different. Right. Uh, I, I don't think they're the worst. There's got to be teams that are worse. And again, because what Chris said with their record being maybe, not too Maybe Maybe uh, it was as they shouldn't have drafted a guy with that kind of character. It might be on them. They should have checked to see what kind of – I don't know. Anyway. Could be, but I don't know if there's any reports about him coming out of college that he was a we bad person we or we whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I'm selling know. it, though. I just I think there are teams that have been worse. And one way to judge it is just by their win-loss record, which wasn't that bad. So even though there's mistakes, everybody has mistakes. When you look at teams that draft in the top five and how many of those players are starters today from the last two, three years, not all of them. So it could go anywhere, but I'm going to sell that. It's, they're not the worst. Well, most of them are. Buy, 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 buy or sell. Sell, sell, sell. One of the big college football games this weekend is Notre Dame and Ohio State. As Ohio State enters as heavy favorites over the Fighting Irish in their first season, not under Chip Kelly, now under former defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman. Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly. Same guys, in my opinion. In my brain. Sorry about that. Buy or sell. If Notre Dame okay. loses to Ohio State, it will not gravely affect their AP polls chances or their college football playoff chances. Sorry. I am uh, buying that 100%. You would rather play Ohio State in the first game than your last game because it seems if you lose the first game and you win the rest or whatever, then, uh, you know, it, you, you're trending upwards. If you lose one of your last two games against them, you're, they see you as trending downwards. Also, because Ohio State is heavily favored, I know it's number two against number five, but nobody expects you to win anyway. So if you play a good game and keep it close and lose, I think Notre Dame will be just fine. I am selling that 100% because if they lose, and we expect them to, and assuming they do, they can't afford any more losses the rest of the season. Nobody's ever gotten into the playoffs with two losses, and they would have to win out after that. So I think it really affects their chances to getting in the playoffs. No room for error, so I am selling 100%. Buy, 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 buy or sell. Sell, sell, sell. And finally, tomorrow marks the beginning of week one for college football, starting out with Penn State at Purdue and the return of the backyard brawl between Pitt and West Virginia. As this reported that even though this game is being held at Pitt, 75% of the fans gonna that are going to be in attendance at Pitt will be West Virginia fans. What? Buy or sell. This is the one reason... Why we should bring back old rivalries. Uh, 25% of the fans are going to be from the home team? Allegedly. How did the West Virginia get all those fans? How did they get all those tickets? Anyway, um, buy or sell. If, 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 what was the question again? Old rivalries are great. Bring them back. Old rivalries are great. I'm going to buy that 100%.
Yeah, I think rivalries are great for the sport in almost any sport, especially on the college level. So, yeah, I'm going to buy that as well. I wish there were more rivalry games that continued. Uh, Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Nebraska, and something like that. So I'm glad Pitt and West Virginia are getting back at it. Yeah. Bye. And that's today's Buy or Sell on ESPN Honolulu. All right. Thank you, Tanner Hayworth. I'm going to, you know, Hawaii UNLV on the road. That's a great (laughs) rivalry. We should play that every year. By the way, you were mentioning Notre Dame, and they've, you know, they, I guess they always kind of have a tough schedule because they got Ohio State coming up this weekend. Uh, let's see, then they've got uh, Marshall, Cal, N- uh, North Carolina. They should handle business there. They got BYU. Uh, they're on the road against BYU. That might be a little tough. Uh, they play Stanford at home, they've got UNLV. Syracuse, Navy, Boston College. Um, they're speaking of rivalries. It really, their toughest games after Ohio State are going to be USC, Clemson, and maybe BYU. Maybe BYU. But if they can beat if they can beat Clemson, which they've got at home. And go on the road to beat USC. We don't know how good they are. I know they've got a lot of, on paper, USC is real good. But um, they, they could do it. They could run the table. Remember, this is they're looked at as the fifth best team in the country. That may change. They might be the 17th best team in the country or out of the top, um, you know, out of the top 25. Who knows? These preseason rankings aren't all that dependable. But at least on paper here, they, uh, you know, they got a good chance. I wouldn't go with a good chance. Uh, they have a chance. Everybody has a chance to run the table. And, you know, they are supposedly a good team. I know Paul Feinbaum said this game will not even be close. Ohio State is going to destroy them. They're not as wow. good as they were last year. you got a new head coach. And I think, Cle- I mean, Clemson, we still don't know about two years ago, one of the best teams in the country. Last year, not quite the same. And that's going to be a tough one. USC is supposed to be better as well. All right. Time for our top stories we're following today is Aaron Judge hits Home run number 51. As much as I don't like the Yankees, I love this story, and I hope he breaks 60. I think a month or two ago he had a chance at 70. Not going to get that probably, but it would be great to see him get over 61. This is a guy who people are not questioning whether he did it the illegal way. That's a good thing. The Star Advertiser is reporting that now Cameron Cooper is in the mix with the other two. Uh, for starting quarterback for the University of Hawaii. Wouldn't that be a shocker if he starts on Saturday? But I guess we shouldn't be surprised or shocked at anything right now. I'm glad he's getting a chance again. And uh, the debate over uh, (laughs) whether Jimmy Garoppolo staying in as a 49er is a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. Do you think is is the people that – the people that criticize this move, saying Trey Lance has got to look over his shoulder and stuff like that, I mean, does this totally shatter the confidence of Trey Lance because you're keeping the guy that used to be the starter as your backup? Is he that think fragile? Yet. Not yet, but if he starts to struggle, then he's really going to look over his shoulder. And everybody's saying the right things. He thinks it's great that he has them behind him. Kyle Shanahan, I think, said it's a win-win, but I don't yes. think it is. And you don't. You'd rather have a you'd rather have a bad backup quarterback than no. a good backup quarterback. It, after what they said about this guy, and after demoting him for not really doing anything wrong to deserve that, I think it's a really bad way to handle it. And I know they just they wanted to get rid of him. They couldn't. 
And they kind of caused that on their own by saying all those things about him. In the last two, three months, everybody's waiting for him to get waived. And that's why they couldn't make a trade for him. They screwed this up. And I think they screwed it up benching him, basically, or demoting him. So, so Why? But, but, but as, a, as a team, for the team, heading into the season, why is Jimmy Garoppolo as a backup quarterback a bad thing? Because he didn't deserve it. You're, you're treating a guy who, again, you can say he had a lot of help. Why, and was, let me put it this way. Why is it bad for Trey Lance, for Jimmy Garoppolo to be the backup quarterback? I, I didn't say it was. I said it could be. I said, right, if he has a few bad games, then he'll look over his shoulder and think, well, I'm going to get benched by a guy who already right. has this experience. It might be a quicker hook on Lance as, it, as opposed to if it was Nate Sudfeld or Brock Purdy that's as the good. backup. That's a good thing. For if, Trey you're Lance? Talking about going, if you're talking about going to the Super Bowl this year and your rookie quarterback struggles, and they all seem to, well, he's not a rookie quarterback. Yeah, your second-year quarterback. What I'm getting at is the first-time starters start. Well, he started two games, I believe. If he starts to struggle, you as a fan are like, "Hey, get him out of there. Put in Jimmy Garoppolo. You want to win the game. You're not cared about what you don't care about what's fair or what's right or someone's feelings or anything like that. You're there to win football games. So as a fan, I'm stoked that Garoppolo is still there. Well, now, hopefully they get along." And there isn't things going on behind the scenes where, you know, it, it's it's um, you know awkward for them. Hopefully, they really believe that. But again, you asked if it was bad for Trey Lance or how it affected him. I think it could affect him as far as the team. Again, it's the best backup in the league. You'd have to say so. Yeah. In that part of it, it is a good move for them. But how they handle yeah. it, I think, was pretty bad, pretty poor. Well, yeah, and and they'll they'll probably admit that maybe. But the what you got is you got him you got him on a one year deal. It's uh, um, an insurance policy, right? Yeah. On yeah. a one-year deal, you're paying him $6 million if he just is a backup quarterback. Now, you have a running quarterback in the NFL. Usually, they get hurt. So you're going to want to have a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. This is, a, this is a great move for the San Francisco 49ers. John, thank you for calling in. How are you doing? Yeah, you know, it, there's different ways to look at it, but it's quick. It could go bad. If you lose three or four games and the and the players know that, especially the veterans who want to win the Super Bowl, they know that the guy on the bench is actually better, that could, that could be a problem in the locker room. And if you want to develop your quarterback, you kind of don't want that problem. But, you know, they screwed it up. They should have, they should have, they should have not. He, he, he kind of messed him up, too. He delayed his, his shoulder surgery. So they couldn't really trade him. And I can see why he took less money. If he gets cut now, he might not make – nobody might pick him up. So I can see why he took less money. But it could be a problem. So we'll see. Have a good day. Hello. Thank you. Thanks. Good point. I don't think they're. I don't think the 49 That's not a good point. I don't think the 49ers are going to go lose four games in a row and, 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 and then leave – the locker room is going to be upset. They lose four games – He's he's going to be gone by game one and a half. They're not going to they're not going to put up with losing four games. Four games, you're out of the playoffs in that division. I think they started one and three one of those years and made it. But I know what your point yeah, is. How many teams point. do that, Gary? Not not many. How, yeah, they don't. Okay, but still, if 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 he's, if he's that great to give him the starting position without really starting more than a couple of games, then you're not going to pull him after one and a half. 
And if you're going to do that, that just shows how inept you are in a way because you're, you're, you're not giving this guy a chance. And you have Garoppolo there, then it's going to maybe divide the locker room. I, can, I, I think it's a good point by John is that it could backfire on them. And I think on, I just, in I just the think big picture, as, as it's a, good to have him as a backup. Yes. Because, again, for the team overall, but how they treated Jimmy G, I think, is really wrong. And how they handled this whole situation, I think, is wrong. Well, then perhaps he shouldn't have delayed his shoulder surgery. And he might have been Maybe, treated but, a little differently. But he was able to that throw was the one, reason why, But that ago. was the reason. You just agreed with everything John said. But yeah. then you you got to agree with that part, too. He delayed Partly. his, so, he, he delayed his so, shoulder surgery so they couldn't get rid of him or trade him. But they could have traded him. For the last two months, they could have but traded him. But nobody wanted him. He's got to make sure he's a, he's, he passes a physical. You know how but that did, works. Well, he did pass a physical. Otherwise, he wouldn't be on the diners right, right. now. Right, but it t- he would have passed a physical a lot sooner if he got shoulder surgery sooner like he should have. He like was able to throw in does. July. He was able to it throw in July. That doesn't, that doesn't make him pass a physical, Gary. You know that. But it makes him, tra- it makes him, he makes him able to be traded. They could have traded him in August. They could have traded him three, four weeks ago. He Why was are you going to trade then? for a guy that can't pass a physical? Why are you going to do that? But he, who said he couldn't pass a physical? Because he, three weeks John ago. John just said it, and you agreed with him. Not, not that uh, partly on that part, he could have been traded three, four weeks ago. They screwed this up. They couldn't have traded him maybe in April or May or June. I think he had the surgery in June or what he was able to throw in late June, something like that. But they yeah. screwed this up. And this and everyone in that locker room understands that this is a business. This is not high school football where the senior gets to start because it's fair. They know it's a business and they know why Jimmy G is there. Jimmy G as an insurance policy is makes more sense if you want to win a Super Bowl than not. It, it, it just makes sense. It, then why did they say they were getting rid of them? Because they changed their mind, I guess. I don't know, whatever it is. Whatever they it is, get Gary, rid whatever of they, them. No, whatever they did in the past, that's fine. But today, I'm talking about today, you, you didn't want to pay him $21 million and have him as a backup. Right. There's a little bit more than that, but, but yeah. But, what they, but what, anyway, what they did is they got him down to $6 million. So he's got a he's got a he's he's making backup quarterback pay. You get to take care of the players you need to take care of, and you have a quality backup quarterback, like you said, the best in the league. For the 49er fans, you should be ecstatic about that. I tell you what, we gotta take a break. We can pick this up and more. Texts and phone calls at 808-296-1420. It's the Animals in the Morning on ESPN Honolulu. Jerry Dickman and Chris Hart here on ESPN Honolulu. I ran into uh, Coach Laura Beeman, and uh, she was introducing me to somebody. And uh, she said, oh, uh, so-and-so, I can't remember her name. But she says, oh, so-and-so, uh, th- this is Gary. I said, oh, no, I- I'm Chris. And she goes, oh, I'm sorry, you're not Gary, Gary Dickman. Uh, this is Chris Hartman. <laughs> I go, I just went, I went, yeah, nice to meet you. <laughs> was that on Saturday before the football game? or? Yeah, it was. It was funny. <laughs> This is Gary. Oh, I mean Chris Hartman. <laughs> anyway, oh boy, um, yeah, the traffic is a mess now. Gosh, in both directions. You heard it, Tanner. I know we have a surf report coming up, but can we get a bonus traffic update coming up in a few minutes too, if you would? 
we got H1 slow in both directions. The westbound, uh, there's an accident by Kapilani exit. And from an earlier accident, it's still backed up. And it was cleaned up like an hour ago, I think. But it's still backed up all the way to Makakilo. I wish that you, this is a, a situation with today's technology. We've learned that we can work at home. And for people who are maybe set up to do so in a situation like this, instead, because you got to leave your house and head into traffic, right? You know the traffic's bad. And it's like, well, let me get in the middle of it and take me an hour and a half to get to work. Wouldn't it make more sense for the employer for you to stay home, work for an hour and a half, and then drive in at 10 o'clock? Rather than just sitting in traffic and showing up at 10 o'clock, I would think. I've heard there's some employers now, because so many people are working from home, there's a way to somehow see exactly how much work they're putting in on their computer. Like how often their computer moves or their mouse moves or whatever. And there's some kind of way to go around that where you can just have it move automatically every hour or two if you're not there or every few minutes. But some people are actually checking on their employees yeah. just to make sure they are actually working at home. Well, yeah. I mean, it, well, I mean, you would think it would be on their, their, their output. I mean, you don't need to see that their mouse is moving to know that they're actually working, right? Well, did you get those reports in? Mm-hmm. Yes or no? Right. If you're in sales, did you sell anything? Yes or no? I, I, I work at home. Our bosses aren't wondering, you know, how much activity I have. They're wondering how much results I have. Anyway, if you're in the traffic, uh, we'll, hopefully uh, it'll be okay. Hey, you know what? Let's do this. Let's give away four tickets to Rainbow Wahine Volleyball this weekend. All right? So, Tanner, do we know what day it's for? Thursday, you say. Okay, call in now if you want to go to volleyball on Thursday. Home opener at the Stan Sheriff Center. Call 808-296-1420. I tell you what, be caller number three and you got the tickets. Caller number three. Tanner will uh, get us a name of a winner coming up. Now, we've got Western Kentucky coming up at the T.C. Ching Complex uh, this weekend. We'll have more tickets to give away in the 8 o'clock hour for this, by the way. Um, but I'm looking at, this is, uh, and anyone can see this. They have, you hear us refer to, we refer to media notes when we talk about opposing football teams or the University of Hawaii. And if you go to the uh, WKU website, you can see, you know, you click on the media tab and you can look at the same game notes and media guides and things like that that the media can see. And on the front page of all of the media guides, it has, um, it on the front page, it has kind of a, you know, a summary and it has little write-ups about the uh, the coaches and it has rosters and, pronunciation guides and things like that and so there's a article about and i gotta find it they're described it's kind of a bio on tyson helton right tyson helton is the coach yeah okay so he's the head coach who we talked to yesterday by the way um and this is what it says and this they always do this head coach tyson helton started his coaching career at hawaii before the 2000 college football season. After playing quarterback at the University of Houston for his father, 
from 96 to 99. Helton followed in his dad's footsteps. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm reading the wrong thing. Okay. It says, listen to this. When Helton was beginning his coaching career with the Rainbow Warriors in 2000, current head coach Timmy Chang was beginning his playing career on the islands. Chang was named WAC Freshman of the Year that season, which was just the beginning of a highly decorated career. And here's the part that gets me. In four seasons together, Helton and Chang went a combined 31-21, and 21, including a 10-win season in 2002 with a pair of nine-win seasons along the way. Helton and Chang now square off against each other for, as head coaches for their first time. Okay, so what this is saying is that Todd Helton, as a graduate assistant and then a special teams coach, together with Chang, he's responsible for Chang's success as a college football player. <laughs> Together with yeah. Chang, they, they went a combined 31 and 21. Stop it. Helton had nothing to do with Chang. He was a GA. Oh, for one year. The, in the coaches' meeting, he was the guy that sat in the second row. But then the other three years, special teams coordinator, so. Yeah, that and Timmy Chang played on a lot of special teams, didn't he? No, no. Yeah, but there I, you go. But, but together, they, they <laughs> in four seasons together, Helton and Chang when a combined 31 and 21. Don't even try to defend that. You can't. Well, sure. I mean, they're, had they're spinning to do. it. Yeah, to it a was Jones and Chang. But you Morrison say, and Chang. Not but, Helton and Chang. Well, you can also say Timmy didn't start all those games either. So, I mean, they're just spinning it to a positive. All those media notes, you always spin things into a positive. I know. Out of that's why I that think it's funny. Be, yeah. I know that's why I think it's funny, but yeah. you can't defend that. It's like that's a, it's a little bit of a stretch yeah, yeah, when you yeah. give the special teams guy credit for how the quarterback did. A little bit of a stretch. All right, all right. Eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. Somebody texted in, Chris. It's not important. Let it go. What does that mean? What's not important? The thing I just said, or something a little while ago? I'm not sure if it's about Jimmy G or something else, but. I like that. Uh, this texture <laughs> says, uh, would you like teachers, nurses, and doctors, and other jobs like that to work from home? Most of us don't have that luxury. Yeah. I mean, I was just talking about if you're able to work at home. Don't get don't get too caught up. Don't get too angry at a comment at what I was saying. What I was basically saying is if you're able to work from home, instead of jumping into traffic, you could be more productive for your company by working at home. My goodness. Somebody woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Yeah, we're God. not recommending doctors work from home unless they have an office they can do, but not you know really what? Any you can do telemedicine. Why not do tele? If you need to do telemedicine, you can do that from home. But I mean, that's not what yeah. they do telemedicine from the hospital, right? Uh, yeah, you police officers stay home and work. That's what I meant. <laughs> My gosh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't get you know. Anyway, <laughs> it's crazy. Okay, uh, Jeremy Mouse. Yeah, we haven't really talked much about Mountain West Conference football. And uh, Jeremy Mouse is uh, coming up. Also, Billy Hall, great job. And he listed all of the um, – there's 85 – man, I didn't realize this. There's In the Star Advertiser today, there's an uh, article about this that Billy Hall wrote. 85 players from Hawaii high schools are on FBS schools on the mainland. That's not counting FCS, you know, Division Three, and NAIA. All I right. mean, man, 85 Division One players. Uh, we'll get into that. It's kind of fun on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Hey, uh, got a, our bulletin board right now. I want to remind folks it is 
hurricane season. And a great way to make sure your house is ready and uh, make sure that you have a a hurricane kit all ready to go. I tell you what, at ZephyrInsurance.com, they've got great details on keeping your home safe. So check it out. This is a uh, public service message brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union and ESPN Honolulu. More Rainbow Warrior football tickets giveaway coming up here on ESPN Honolulu. And we're going to talk some Mountain West football right now, talk about Hawaii and the other teams getting underway this week as we are joined from the managing editor covering Mountain West football for the Mountain West Wire, part of USA Today Sports, Jeremy Mouse back with us. Jeremy, thanks for joining us, and we'll get it out of the way right now. What were your thoughts about Hawaii losing to Vanderbilt the way they did this past weekend? Um, I like the first half. That's positive, right? They're, yes, they're reasonably yes. close. Uh, it's that third quarter, and Mike Wright's really good too for Vanderbilt, their dual threat QB. But yeah, that the after the plays kind of um, went away from what they're planning on doing, it's like okay, we got to call this play and that play. It seemed to kind of get away from them. I felt there'd been a bit more offense just because of what they do, and you play both quarterbacks. They're kind of figuring out. And who knows, maybe Vanderbilt is actually really, really good. And at the end of the year, I'm like, oh, well, we still lost by 50, but they're 9-3 and three and doing things in the SEC. But uh, there are some things to work on. Like, I like Dedrick Parson. He had a pretty good game. Obviously, they had a pretty big run touchdown. Uh, defense, uh, that needs a little bit of work, which um, with all the guys transferring and leaving, we weren't. Ex- I wasn't expecting them to be amazing. But I figured versus Vanderbilt, it would be a competitive game and possibly get a win. But not, the end result – not kind of what probably anybody thought would happen, even on the Vanderbilt side. Like, we could score 60 points. Whew. That's how we felt as well. Did you see any other positives? You mentioned Dietrich Parts and any other positives for Hawaii in that game. Uh, they, overall, they threw pretty well, reasonably well. I think they got to stick with the guy. Um, about, they threw a lot. Probably so, playing some highlights there. They're probably trying to figure out who the quarterback is. That's a positive. But either guy was in, they weren't great, but you could see a few things here that are going on on quarterback. So I'm guessing Coach Chang's like, look, okay, who did this? Let's split some guys up. The game's out of control. We can kind of go back and forth. I think they'll get there, but I think the running game, if that gets going, if, if Parson does that 80 to 100 yards a game, that's really good. Then that'll obviously, we all know, the passing game will open up from that if they have to more concentrate, bring an extra guy down to stop that ground game. But if they get behind like they did, that's the, yeah, that's the one thing that – Positive offense, I know there was only 10 points, but they moved the ball on the ground, which is a first step, and we know they're going to pass, and so maybe maybe they need to adjust a bit and, like, oh, let's run a little bit more to figure some things out because this week, Western Kentucky, they're going to sling it around. It's going to be a different type of team they're playing, not going to be as run and pass with the QB. They're going to want to sling it around, even though losing their OCs to different different schools, uh, Zappies with the Patriots, I believe, the NFL, and so. But I think there's the running game is the most positive thing I see. Outside of that, it's like, eh, Kind of stretching, but also it's game one, guys. There'll be a lot of improvement. I guarantee you, as you all know, there'll be a lot of different adjustments, different guys getting different playing time and going. But it's kind of short that that defense, and it's my biggest thing. I think obviously when they play a team that wants to put up points, that we know that could put up points. There were four other Mountain West schools in action on Saturday. Three of them won. What were your impressions of the other games? Uh well, looking through Utah State, it's it's a positive. People are going to say you, you hate it against Utah State. It's a, it's a compliment and a negative. 
they they didn't put a team away again because they showed some graphic on the game before. They trailed in, I think it was eight or nine of their games last year in the first quarter or first half or something at some point. UConn seems to be a bit better. The QB went out, but this, the, Utah State, just consistency is nitpicking with them. I don't care. He went by about what, 10, 12 points versus UConn. They should have won by more, but Logan Bonner looked really good. They have um, Brian Cobbs from Maryland came in, had a touchdown, moved the ball pretty well in the air, catching those um, fades, him and Logan Bonner connecting. McGriff also played pretty well, so they'll be they'll be okay. Their defense seems not great either. And then UNLV, I don't care who they played. They crushed a team and score points. Good, good for them. Then you got their quarterback. I don't care if it's the worst team in the Big Sky or FCS. That's a positive builder that teams that struggle to get wins really want. 50-something points, it's like, perfect, go for it. That's what you want to see with Doug Brumfield. They have a couple receivers out there. So we'll see when they get a real test, obviously. And oh, Wyoming, um, can I say no comment to them? Because Craig Ball, I'll say this. Him saying he's a quarterback guy has been out the window forever, but it's proven when a guy goes 5 of 20. And I looked over the past, I think, four years. They've only passed. They're basically coin flip when the ball's passed. It's barely 50% completion rate. So it's like, go run the triple option or something. They cannot throw the ball. <laughs> they, well, I'm just saying that they bring the OC from, or the offensive line coach from Iowa and Polisek. What do you expect? They're just going to cram the ball down your throat, which even that was fine. But the defense was bad. They don't throw the ball. It's, man, they, they might be in for a tough year. And then Nevada, they got a solid win. A defense looks better than expected against New Mexico State. At the uh, Mountain, at uh, MWWire.com, we're talking with uh, Jeremy Mouse. On the website, you have an article about, what is it? What is the title of the article about Craig Bull called? Oh, I don't have it in front of me. I wrote it Sunday uh, afternoon. Um, oh, it, it's something like he has to stop saying he knows quarterbacks. Yeah, exactly, because <laughs> he put the graphic, the help wanted sign. But it's true. Even when Josh Allen was there, he people saw potential. He was still completing maybe 54% passes and making big plays, but he had multiple NFL players on offense. He had a receiver, a tight end, starting center, running back. All these guys um, were – NFL draft picks are sized up, or excuse me, you know, take the bath for free agent. But also, I'm looking through the number of NFL draft picks since Craig Bull's been there. Only Boise State and San Diego State have more NFL draft picks. They're tied with the Rams of Fresno State, I think it was 9 or 10. But they're right there with the, the produced NFL talent, but defense is always there. But the offense, like, you, you got to figure something out. You can't blame the weather. You can't blame this or that. It's I don't know what the deal is. It, I, no, I know what it is. the coaching because – he tried to take credit for Carson once, but that wasn't really his more Chris Kleiman when he was in North Dakota State, and that was the early years before he got really good as well and we got drafted to the NFL and the Eagles and everything. But it's he can't do it. It's proven over and over. He Because here's the thing, you can run the ball and do like Wisconsin Grimmer or when um, Iowa, they'll run the ball a lot defense. But they got to – I don't care if you throw 14 times a game, complete eight of them. You know what I mean? Be San Diego State. <laughs> if you could be in that range, like – Nobody's going to – we'll see what Braxton Burmeister can do coming up when they play Arizona. But if you give me 55, 57% passing completion, don't turn the ball over, they would love it. But when they go 5 of 20 like they did, they can't complete 50%. That's a real problem. They need to change something up. I, it, they, they don't like offense because do what Mike Leach does. They're like, I'm here to tell Kyle Whittingham, let the other side of the ball, if you're Leach defensive guy, you do your thing. You got it. I don't care. Keep me tuned in. Same with Kyle Whittingham. He went through, I think, 10 or 12 OCs year after year after year. He finally 
brought back Amy Ludwig for a second tour the past couple of years. He lets him run the offense, but it's still kind of in the basic of what they want to do. And so I think he needs to let go and let bring an offensive guy in and say, do the offense and just kind of let me know who needs to be on the field. Jeremy Miles from the Mountain West Wired, part of USA Today Sports, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. Jeremy, you mentioned uh, UNLV in there when I know Doug Brumfield had a great game, 21 of 25, 356 yards. Cameron Field played high school football here. I thought showed a little bit of promise last year. Were you surprised he was the third quarterback for UNLV? Yeah, because I believe he was first for the year in the Mountain West, and he, he showed a lot of good stuff last year. I know they brought in um, the guy from Tennessee, Harrison Bailey, but, yeah, I was surprised he wasn't – it wasn't not more than mix. I know he had a had the touchdown pass, had a couple of throws, but yeah, I, I figured he would be at, at worst battling, not regu, re, regulated to, or relegated to that third spot. So still a sophomore, but yeah, that's kind of surprising. That he didn't. Um, I'm not saying he didn't get a good chance to do it, but I thought he would have been more in the running from what he did last year. And I think they want to give the transfer because if you look around the country in college football, any transfer that comes in, it's like you're starting a quarterback. Like they're not going to not start if you come in and you know be kind of split time. But it's like, oh, we're going to go get a guy from Tennessee or wherever. They they want them to be the starter, essentially. And I yeah, I agree. I felt um, he's he played well enough to deserve a shot. And so we'll see how this year goes. Because last year, Rebels played. I think he, the reason he got a chance last year because of injuries to Justin Rogers and Brumfield, and he played well. And maybe something next year come down the road. But I think he'll have a chance this year to do a little bit because if you have a third quarterback or two or three, and you've got to play that depth and. Who knows what could happen? Injuries or just the team's not playing great, and we don't expect Rebels to do amazing this year. But I think they'll have a shot. But I was less surprised that he wasn't at least a backup. There are eleven games involving Mountain West schools this weekend: two on Thursday and nine on Saturday. What games are you looking forward to the most? Oregon State Boise State's probably the most interesting game, just because last year the Beavers went undefeated at home. They beat Utah. They beat whatever you say about USC. They beat them. They were so that's an interesting game. And Boise State, they seem to have one of the at least the coaches. And it's hard to tell when coaches see this. We had the best defense since blah blah blah. We'll have this many draft picks in the NFL. So you never know. But with what they've been doing at Oregon State the past couple years, Jonathan Smith building up, building up. They're a team where it'll be a good matchup. People call that's old Oregon State. Not quite. But also the Broncos, the George Lonnie seems healthy. That's always the big thing. Him and their offensive line. If he, if they're all, because they played a million combinations last year and clearly didn't go as well as typically they want to do. But I think that'll be an interesting game under the radar game because it'll be close. I think Beavers like a field goal favorite at home. So that that's an interesting one. I am curious to see because we got so many games like Michigan CSU. Nobody cares. San Diego State opens Jersey Stadium versus Arizona. That could be a thing because Wildcats got the uh, UTEP receiver coming in who was really good at Blitnikoff um, watch list of some sorts. That, and that new stadium as well. That's that's kind of what I want to see. And Braxton Burmeister, as we mentioned before, people were hyping him up and like, oh, he's four four speed. I'm like, slow down. Let's see what they can do first for him. Right. And how fast? How good he could be? But Arizona should be fairly improved with Jed Fisher. But I still think Aztecs to him. That's always an interesting game. Play a power five, but who knows how good they'll be? But and then let's see if Utah State could score two touchdowns with Alabama because <laughs> they were not consistent last week, and that's a big deal. Um, I don't think it'd be a blowout because every time Alabama plays, like they played CSU before, they played other teams of that level before. But they're not like it's forty-one points. No, it's nothing. They're not going. Alabama won't score sixty points. They're not going to win sixty to ten. It'll probably be a comfortable three to four touchdown win. But that's why I kind of see what Logan Bonner, if he's that good of how he slings the ball in Utah State, looks to have a couple receivers and Calvin Tyler. 
or yeah, Talvin, I get Turner and Tyler mixed up from Hawaii days, but he had 30 something carries last week. If they can kind of get something going, I'm interested just kind of see if they can keep it within like three touchdowns and make it kind of at least the first half of a fun game. Hey, Jeremy, one more question for you. We appreciate your time. You mentioned San Diego State. We heard about Matt Ariza last week. And I know the Mountain West uh, Wire actually kind of reported some of this a few months ago, that there was some scandal maybe brewing in San Diego State. Will this affect their program at all moving ahead? I don't know. It wasn't reporting. We just found some stuff like older articles around there. But it's not a good look, clearly, when any criminal activity, especially that type, that goes on with, like sexual assault. Uh, it also looked bad when Brady Hoke and Wicker, just, they just leave the press conference the other day. It's like, what are you guys doing? Like, man up and yeah. answer some questions. That That's a real bad look. Like, beyond bad where it's like, we're out of here. It's like the guy, like, and quit asking me about this. I'm like, you're there. You know it's coming. Be prepared. And they did bring the response about, well, the police department wanted us to stay out of it. But I'm like, you could still, here's the thing. When you look at a situation, I know people are like, well, like his parents have that ridiculous statement on Twitter. I'm like, just be quiet at this point. Like, defend your kid and everything. I get it. Like, even if it's, if what happened did happen, still he got released and it's not great for those allegations. But the school could still, like, hey, this is an issue. You're sitting and not playing if there's a problem of that degree. Because that happens to places. Like, well, like, look at. It's not necessarily the same thing, clearly, but with Deshaun Watson, Texans didn't want him to play. There's other issues before that he wanted out of town, but regardless, but all right, you're on the team, but you're not playing until we figure this out and see what's going on. You could do that. That I don't think that's interfering with the program, or interfering not the program, but the police issues of what they're reporting and looking into and investigating. I don't see how that would have been any issue or inter, inter, being putting your nose in where it doesn't belong with, hey, we know this is going on. Go sit and not play until they figure it out. That probably could have could have been done and should have been done depending on the recall the exact timeline of when it first kind of trickled out because there was some random twitter account this past year i think it's not deleted kept saying what they're saying about matt Arisa, that he's sexually assaulting people and or at least in this one case kind of the very little of what's going on but similar like hey he's done this this or this over the past years he needs to be arrested or in jail or looked into or something so I don't know how long it's been going on, but it's been going on for a while before I noticed that Twitter account during last season. It was like retweet stuff and said, Matt Arisa's done this. He's done this type of thing that's been reported out there for these sexual allegations. But overall for the program, I, I don't know, because Brady Hoke had issues at Michigan as well. And so it's, are you just sleeping on the rug? We've seen things with Bob Davey at New Mexico. Like, look, like they were trying to hide up crimes from guys going to departments and you, you say this, I'll say this to cover up this better player. Like, oh, no, don't go to the police. Come talk to me. I'll help you. I'm the good guy. When the coach, not always the good guy, trying to protect the players. They'd rather protect the player than say, hey, two people involved. You're not the football team, so we don't care about you too much. We'll take care of it here where, you know what I mean? Like, it's, they're not always the great guys. They want to protect. They have their own interest in mind. And that kind of seems like what it was because he played all year, had faced no repercussion, and they were aware of what was going on. And so that's where it's not a great look when it's more than once for Brady Hoke. And they walk out of the press conference, and they literally did nothing with knowing serious allegations were being looked into. Yeah, sad story there. We've got a lot of football to look forward to. That is a good thing. Jeremy, thanks again for joining us this morning. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, thank you. Jeremy Mouse from Mountain West Wire joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, right, the Rivals Fantasy Football Show is coming up in 10 minutes on ESPN Honolulu.
We were talking earlier with uh, Coach Nagamine from Rainbow Wahine Soccer, and she mentioned the um, uh, day of giving. The day of giving in celebration with 50 years of Rainbow Wahine Athletics is tomorrow, September 1st. And uh, we'll, I, um, I believe, Lois, if you're listening, I believe you're going to be on the show tomorrow uh, to talk about that. But um, it's really interesting. We don't have time to get into it right now. But um, hopefully before uh, 9 o'clock, before we're off, uh, we can get into uh, recognizing uh, more on this. It's 50 years of Title IX and, um, you know, how Rainbow Wahine teams have done over the past, uh, you know, over the years. And so it's an opportunity to give back for everybody to the program uh, tomorrow. And um, if you're an HML subscriber, you'll see some details there. Okay, I was uh, we got only got a second. And then Rivals Fantasy Football Show is uh, coming up here on ESPN Honolulu, and uh, I was sad to see because uh, I've become a Detroit Lions fan from the TV show. Uh, what's the show called? Uh, Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks. And uh, one of the guys I was rooting for to make the team is David Blau, uh, backup quarterback. Now they had two quarterbacks, uh, backup quarterbacks, Tim Boyle and David Blau. Like Tuesday, they cut uh, Tim Boyle, and they kept David Blau. So I thought, yeah, cool, okay. He made the team. Yay. It's a great story. And um, anyway, uh, yeah, they cut him, to, uh, I guess, late yesterday because they claimed Nate Sudfeld off of waivers from the 49ers. So he's going to be the backup quarterback. And um, that was kind of sad. Another guy that you follow along during the show is Khalil Pimpleton, a speedy wide receiver. I hope he – do we find out today? Who do we know is going to be on these uh, the team's practice squads? They, I don't think they have a deadline of doing it today, but teams are already starting to fill players up on the practice squad. 16 players on it, so what? Right, check. but there is a deadline. There is a deadline to fill up your practice squads. I just don't know when it is. But I'd like to follow that because Hawaii's Trayvon Henderson got cut by the Bengals. I didn't realize he was still on the Bengals. He's been there. That's a number of years. I think he played in the Super Bowl last year. I know he played in the last game of the year and picked up a fumble for a touchdown, I believe. So he was with them wow. last year. Didn't play a lot, but he played at the end. Hey, nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, how long has he been in the NFL? Like four years, five at years? Least, it's been yeah, a while. Yeah. yeah. Man. Anybody else with uh, Hawaii ties that were casualties yesterday? Besides the players we mentioned, no, which was, I guess, good news. Bradley and I, we mentioned, I didn't see him uh, picked up by the Jets practice squad yet, but he got cut by the Jets. Oh, good. I know that. So he's on the Jets practice squad. No, he, I haven't seen that that he has. I'm, oh. I'm looking for that. I haven't seen any player. I saw a few players picked up, but not him yet. So hopefully he can get picked up by them. All right. Fantasy football players and commissioners. The Rivals Fantasy Football Show coming up next. Now, Rivals Fantasy Football on ESPN Honolulu. It's time! Such heavy, angry, angry music. It's the Rivals Fantasy Football Show, brought to you by Rivals Sports Bar and Lounge in the Waikiki Malia Bay Outrigger. 
And uh, we have a guest coming up in about 20 minutes, Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. So if you do have any questions for your roster, whether it's for the draft or for week one, give us a call or text at 808-296-1420. After that, we will have a great autograph, authentic photo to give out, David and Joku of the Cleveland Browns. So stay tuned for that. You know, as we're all getting ready for drafts and putting the rosters together, I was looking at a few people with they've been talking about I'm thinking my own thinking on my own as far as who I think might be some breakout players in fantasy and I'll preface it by saying I'm not being biased when I say this I really think Tua Tagovailoa is going to have a really really good year I don't know if I would draft him necessarily because it depends when I'm drafting a quarterback who else is taken, I don't think you're going to go really wrong with two of them. I'm not going to call him Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, or Patrick Mahomes, but I think he could be a sleeper and maybe have a breakout year. Part of the reason is he's healthy, but the bigger part is Tyree Kill. And you have Cedric Wilson as a slot with Jalen Waddell. I think they've got some really good weapons, a better offensive line, some running backs. I think he's perfectly in place to have a really good season and i know last year not a lot of people drafted him either at all or early but i think he could be really good this year in fantasy right but would you take him who would you take him above uh you know Jalen waddle is questionable so he's starting off a little gimpy right and who would you i don't know why you would have let's just say a, a 15 or 16th ranked quarterback on your roster Couple in other reasons. words, if you're picking a backup quarterback, and why would you take Tua and not somebody like, oh, I don't know, Trey No, Trey Lance is a bad art. Trey Lance is actually uh, rated higher than Tua Tagovailoa. Yeah, I think right. that's I, – I don't agree with that. But, you know, would you rather have Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins, you know, who you know can put up numbers, or Tua Tagovailoa? I would take Tua over Kirk Cousins. I'm not sure if I would take him over Card necessarily, but again, if you if you if for when you're fantasy, drafting, yeah, for fantasy, when you're drafting a quarterback, again, if the top tier guys are gone, I would include Josh Allen with the others. I, mm-hmm. I would take Tua over Marcus. I would take Tua over Jameis Winston. I would take him over Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. Right. I would, well, he's he's rated higher than all of those guys, you know. So, but there's a but he's he's kind of a middle of the pack guy unless you're playing. In a league that is super, you know, you're playing in the 16-team league, then yeah, I think it makes sense to take Tua as a backup. Well, I'm, I'm talking about maybe taking him as a starter. Again, it depends on who's available at the time. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I would take Russell Wilson over Tua this year. I know that might sound crazy. I don't know what Russell Wilson's going to bring with the new team, new coaching staff. I mean, I know people are praising them, and some people think they'll make the playoffs and all that. And I know Russell Wilson's good. I just think Tua, with all these weapons, has the potential to, real again, have a breakout season. So we'll see on him, but I, I don't think that'll be a bad pick if the top seven, eight, nine guys are taken. I don't think he's going to be the 21st player taken, or 21st quarterback taken necessarily in some of these leagues. And I wouldn't pick him as a backup. For me, again, I only pick one quarterback. I'll, go, I'll wait till the bye week and then pick the second quarterback. Because it's, usually in a 12 to 14 team league, there'll be good quarterbacks available then. So I'll just I won't tie up a roster spot for 16 weeks just to play a guy once, assuming the guy's healthy. Why don't you believe in Russell Wilson? I I don't I don't I don't know what to expect in Denver. I mean in Seattle, I I had him one year, three years ago, whatever. I know he was really good there. I don't know necessarily that he's going to have a Pro Bowl type season there. I mean he has the potential to sure. He's also in a really tough division. 
and that doesn't really mean a lot for fantasy per se. I just don't know what to expect of him. With Tua, I think I know what to expect. He's been very accurate, and I think when you add a Tyreek Hill, I mean, it just opens up so many more opportunities. And a Cedric Wilson, I think, is another good player in that slot position for him. You got a good t- tight end at Kosicki. Again, it, it might depend more on the coaching staff and what they bring. And I don't know. I can't say I know a lot about them because they've never been a head coach. Well, he has it, Mike McDaniel. But I, I think Tua is really primed for having a really good year, and it could be a breakout or sleeper type of player in fantasy yeah. football. Most experts will say that Russell Wilson is a top ten type quarterback for fantasy. Here's a guy last year had 25 touchdowns to just six interceptions. Remember, he can run. Tua, it's not advised for Tua Tagovailoa to run. He might have to escape sometimes but russell wilson has got the feet so fantasy wise and denver's going to be a much improved program a program like they're a college team they're going to be a much improved team they already got the defense and now you got the one missing piece on offense this is like when um peyton manning joined them but peyton manning had a you know a bad year and then an even worse year when they won the super bowl he was already towards the end, but it was enough to get him by. Russell Wilson is, I don't want to say he's in his prime, but he's still one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. But he's with a new team, and when you say 25-6 and six last year, that's, that's really that's, good. That's Seattle. It, Joe Montana was with a new team with the Chiefs. They went to the playoffs. Peyton mean- Manning went to the playoffs with yeah. the Denver Broncos. Matthew Stafford won a Super Bowl with his new team. You want me to keep going? But that doesn't mean anything. That Russell, doesn't mean because those guys had success that he will. I mean, Carson Wentz went to a new so team. Give me some example, so give me some examples of a, a good quarterback going to a team and them doing bad. Carson Wentz might be the guy last year with Indianapolis. They faltered down the stretch. And didn't make but the he's playoffs. a bad quarterback. He hasn't been a good quarterback, period. When's he, the last time he was good? Before Two he years got ago, hurt, he, was, he, was he, had, he had about – Right, in the middle of the season, and that was two or three years ago. Yeah. And he's been horrible since. He's been horrible since. It's like in 2019, you're going, well, Cam Newton, he's a former MVP. Well, that was four years ago. He hasn't been the same since 2015. Just look at the numbers, and it'll tell you itself, because that's what we're talking about. Fantasy football, numbers. Yes, we are. I'm not sold on Russell Wilson being good in Denver. Just because other quarterbacks have done well, that doesn't mean it's automatic that he will do well. I, he might. I, I just don't know if I trust him enough. And I think Tua with the weapons he's he has He's a Hall now, of Fame quarterback. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Guy's never got an MVP vote in his life. If he's a Hall doesn't of Fame matter. quarterback, doesn't matter. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Has Eli Manning gotten an MVP? Well, he won two Super Bowl MVPs. Okay, but there's a lot of quarterbacks who win one Super Bowl and they're in the Hall of Fame. Same thing with coaches. Yeah. Russell Wilson, you can't tell me he's not going to be in the Hall of Fame. He probably will. I think he would be, yeah, sure. But again, but anyway, he also hasn't gotten any and I don't want to bicker back and forth. Okay. Keep going. Okay. Uh, another guy I think is, I mean, we've heard so much about this guy in the preseason. He's a rookie. Damian Pierce is the running back for the Houston Texans. And mm-hmm. all reports are this guy has really looked well in camp. Uh, and I think he could be expected, again, not a, maybe a running back one, but these are sleepers or breakout players again everybody knows who the top running backs top receivers top quarterbacks are so that's one guy to look at here's another running back who did he beat out who did he beat out in houston it was uh, rex burkhead is there i believe no it was a name running back marlon mack got cut yeah marlon mack has just got uh, cut in favor it looks so it looks like pierce is going to be the starter the only question i have is that if they're always playing from behind <laughs> right are they going to pa- well i guess they can pass you know it, 
He, one of the reasons he probably got it is, is a, he's a good pass-catching back as well, I'm guessing. Another running back to look out for, Rashad Penny. Now, think about this from last year. He led all running backs in rushing yards, 671 over the last five weeks of last season. Uh, So he finished really strong for them. Now, you know Uh they've got Walker, the rookie out of Michigan State, who I think will be good, even though he might be day-to-day now. Uh, I think he's primed to have a really good season for Seattle as well. And again, maybe not your top running back, but maybe for a second one, he would be a guy to look at. Uh, Here's a guy, Chase Edmonds is in Miami. And we mentioned how Sony Michelle got cut. He is he's meeting with a team today. I forget which team it is, so I think he'll get picked up. But Chase Edmonds, I think, could be a good running back fantasy-wise uh, for Miami and take a look at him, some of the numbers he can put up, especially as a receiver or pass-catching running back as well. Right. And Chase, Chase Edmonds, a much better uh, fantasy guy than Raheem Mostert will be. You, you're probably right. You're probably right. Okay. I am right. I am uh, right. Kenneth Gainwell. <laughs> Kenneth Gainwell looked good in the preseason. He's with Philadelphia. I picked him up last year. He did okay. Miles Sanders is going to miss some time. He's injured right now. So uh, Gainwell could be a guy you want to pick up. Again, kind of a sleeper, a breakout player. Here's another one. Gabe Davis is the only player, Gabriel Davis, the only player in NFL history to have over 200 yards and four touchdowns in a playoff game. So, again, maybe not a big name. He's with Buffalo. But he might be a guy to consider WR2 or 3. Another guy to – again, these are maybe not as familiar names when you look at some of them. Uh, we got one or two more on here. Drake London, again, he's a rookie receiver, as we know. Atlanta will probably be trailing in a lot of games. They do have Kyle Pitts, of course. But Drake London could be a really good receiver as well for a team that has a good quarterback. Looks like they had something good going in the preseason. Keep your eyes on him. And just a few more. I'm not sold necessarily for some reason on Justin Field, but there are people really praising how he looked in the preseason, new coaching staff. We'll have to wait and see if he's as good as advertised. And he wasn't last year, but I don't think it was all his fault. But I Well, think we, have he, to also, we also have to see if they've got an offensive line. Yeah, right, right. So there By the people, way, did, uh, Tanner mentioned they picked up Alex Leatherwood. Was it Chicago, Tanner? Yes, yes. Okay. I'm not really sold on him, but there are people really saying he's going to have a much better year than last year. I don't think it could be much worse, and I know he's highly regarded, so I'll have to wait and see. But here's a few other names that we've heard a little bit about. Isaiah McKenzie. uh, for What what, what position are we talking about? Well, right now I'm going with uh, running backs. I'm I'm going with running backs, but just sleepers overall, actually. Uh, Actually, he's a receiver, excuse me. Isaiah McKenzie is going to take the place of Cole Beasley for Buffalo. So he could be a guy who last year had 693 yards. Not that bad. 82 catches. And again, he's probably going to get more opportunities this year. Jonu Smith for the New England Patriots, the tight end. They do have Hunter Henry, but maybe with Mac Jones progressing in year two, people are talking about him, and I wouldn't be surprised if he has a pretty good year if you're not able to get one of the top-tier tight ends. Corey Davis for the Jets. People have been talking about him, and I'm not, you know how I am about Zach Wilson. I'm not a big fan of his. But with Garrett Wilson there, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis might might get open a little bit more, might have some opportunities. Again, maybe as your WR3. I don't even think I would have him as a WR2. But here's a guy that might have a better year than last year. People have been praising George Pickens for the Pittsburgh Steelers. A rookie receiver out of Georgia. Didn't play much or at all last year. Fast, been looking good in the preseason game. Again, not going to be the number one receiver there. You got Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, but everybody talking about Pickens mm. could be a really good fantasy player. 
Chase Claypool is not a WR1. Deontay Johnson is hurt right now. He's questionable uh, for the season starter to come up. I think that George Pickens might be a little bit um, might be a little bit more of the man there than we think. Chase Claypool has all the talent in the world, but fantasy wise, look at his numbers. He's not a guy you would pick up on your fantasy football team or not. You know, in your first two guys. Well, no, I'm not here's a the... question. Okay. What are you saying? I, saying not, I don't say he's the WR one per se, or, or Claypool and Deontay Johnson are one for the Steelers. That those are the two two top receivers for the Steelers. So Pickens might be number three on the Steelers. See, I'm thinking that Pitts Pickens is a, at least in the beginning of this season is more than a number three. That's my retort uh, to what you're saying following the Pittsburgh Steelers. Going back to a couple of guys that you mentioned, you were talking about the Jets. And I haven't seen him, but I've heard a lot about Brees Hall. I mean, Michael Carter is a 1,000-yard type running back. I don't know how many yards he gained last year for the Jets. But he was their, their, he was their RB1, and he looked good. They go out and they draft uh, Brees Hall. Was it Iowa State? Yes. Well, Iowa State. Yes. And he's the starter. So what do we know about Brees Hall fantasy-wise? Is he a guy that's a... Catches a lot of passes. Tell us about Brees Hall. He's a good running back, definitely. I think he can catch some passes. I don't expect him to catch that many with the receivers they got, and I don't think that was a big part of their offense last year. I looked at a a depth chart about a week and a half ago, and he was still number two, which surprised me because he looked better than Carter in the preseason. Uh, Just looking at what some of the Jets beat writers have written, they might ease him into the starting spot. He might not start week one. That could go either way. Both guys are going to play. Both guys are going to play, and those are the top two running backs there by far. Tevin Coleman already got uh, waived by the Jets yesterday. I, he has all the makings of being a really good fantasy player as well. I think See, in time, I'm, re- I'm reading for the Jets that he's the starter and Michael Carter is the backup. Interesting. Yeah, well, I, have to say, I think they'll both play in week one, and maybe that'll sort itself out. Uh, there is a trade, by the way, right now, just getting it if you're a fantasy player. Uh, Jalen Rager just got traded from the Eagles to the Vikings. Uh, for a seventh-round pick and a fourth-round conditional pick. So if you have him on your team, he's no longer a Philadelphia Eagle. Yeah, he didn't do much for the Eagles. So with the, with when you're talking about the receivers on the Vikings, you have Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, who's widely probably considered number two overall receiver in fantasy behind um, behind Cooper, uh, Cooper Cup. And now you got Jalen Rager. For I guess he's a speed guy, but he hasn't been done much for the Eagles. Right. Here's a guy, we've talked about him a little bit, and I love these new players that emerged, and this is for fantasy. Isaiah Likely for the Baltimore Ravens. Likely to have a good year, no pun intended. He only <laughs> ran a he ran a four point eight three at the combo or the pro day, excuse me. But this guy's had a really good preseason. He's six five uh two hundred and forty five pounds. Uh they expect a lot out of him. He's on the Ravens, of course. I think he could be a guy, again, not maybe your first, definitely not your first receiver, maybe not your second, but maybe as a third receiver, kind of a sleeper breakout player for what people are saying and looking really good in the preseason. All right, we got uh, a little later on this hour, Rainbow Warrior football tickets to give away. Keep listening uh, for that. And uh, coming up next, we have a very special guest. He's going to help you with your fantasy football team. So text in or call in with your questions at 808-296-1420. Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News joins us on ESPN Honolulu. 
This is Rivals Fantasy Football on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM at 1420 AM. It's the Rivals Fantasy Football Show brought to you by Rivals Sports Bar and Lounge in the Waikiki Malia by Outrigger. And it is time to welcome our special guest, our national expert today from the Sporty News is Vinny Iyer. And if you have a question for Vinny, you can call or text it at 808-296-1420. Vinny, thank you so much for joining us. And when you get ready for the draft, I'm not sure how many drafts you've already participated in. Who do you look at as we were talking earlier about maybe some sleepers or breakout players for fantasy football this year? Well, I think you have to look all over the board. And I think what I would suggest to a lot of people out there is that uh, look for the running back and wide receiver values. There's a lot of depth at those particular positions. I know everyone says there's quarterback depth and there is to some degree, but there's a point where you start having some real question marks. Same thing with tight end, but you look at the running back depth. It's incredible this year. I think Uh, you get into some young players, uh, Brees Hall and Travis Etienne, that have chances to have big roles on their teams. You get into uh, several young wide receivers with some special qualities, including Darnell Mooney, Gabriel Davis, Rashad Bateman, and Elijah Moore. So there's a lot of guys that you can get later. And keep in mind, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, these guys weren't going super high off the board last year. People got them in the fourth, fifth, sixth rounds and uh, really made their team. So, I think there's a lot of running back and wide receiver depth that's been underrated and maybe a chance to uh, go after that elite tight end, elite quarterback, and still have pretty good depth at the other position. Damian Pierce with the Houston Texans, I've heard so much praise for him this preseason. Is he a guy that you think could be a RB2 or 3 at least in fantasy? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's going to get pretty big volume there with the Texans. I know they're not a very good team, and that's a concern as how much will they stick with the running game? But I also don't think they'll trust Rex Burkhead to be on the field in a check-down situations for much of the second half. They still want to see what they have in Damian Pierce. Rex Burkhead is really not going to be in their future plans. So I look at uh, Damian Pierce. He's going to get pretty good volume here. I can see 250 touches. And really, those type of backs are getting harder to find. So if you can find anyone that's in a clear position, and there's no doubt he's a starter with Marlon Mack released, then you have to go after that player, and I think he's a safe RB2 at this point. Somebody uh, texted in. They want to know what you think about Christian Kirk with Jacksonville this year. Yeah, I need to kind of uh, see to believe a little bit with that passing game with Trevor Lawrence and the mess with uh, Urban Meyer and Daryl Bevel last year. I'm I'm taking a wait-and-see approach. I'm not sure how it's going to play out with all those receivers. They just traded LaVisca Chanel Jr. They moved on from Laquan Treadwell, so – We'll see how it plays out between Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and Marvin Jones, and then see how the tight ends with Evan Ingram and Dan Arnold work out. So I'm more in a wait-and-see approach. I like him as a wide receiver four or five, Kirk, to see what you can get out of him. They did pay him a lot of money, so you think at least they should be targeting him a lot at some point. Vinny Iyer from the Sporty News is joining us here on the Rivals Fantasy Football Show on ESPN Honolulu. If you have a question, call or text at 808-296-1420. Got another text question that wants to know your thoughts on two rookies for Kansas City, Sky Moore, the receiver, and Isaiah Pacheco as well. Yeah, I think we've had to pump the brakes on both of these guys. There's a lot of buzz for them early in training camp, and they were rolling here. But I think uh, the Chiefs are curbing them a little bit, especially now that Ronald Jones made the team behind Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So it's tough. I mean, he's the third of the depth chart, Pacheco. Sky Moore right now, I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster has looked pretty good. 
in the preseason. You have Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Miko Hardman is still in the mix, who's a similar type receiver to Sky Moore. So those three veterans seem like a little ahead of Moore. I, I think Moore and Pacheco could be guys that emerge at some point if some injuries happen and things open up in that Chiefs offense. But for now, I'm going to proceed with caution, maybe not take them as high as uh, their buzz might indicate. Another text question comes in. What Packer wide receiver are you most comfortable drafting? Well, I, I still think it's Alan Lazard. I mean, the, he's the guy that Aaron Rodgers has the most comfort level with. I know Randall Cobb is there. and He's been around for a while and came back, but he's old. Sammy Watkins is old and not durable at all. And the other two guys, Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, are rookies. So Alan Lazard, I think, is a great value. I mentioned all those other receivers in that run there. He's another sleeper being undervalued, and I think he could – be a wide receiver three, it turns into a top 24 scorer. We are talking fantasy football with Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. If you have a uh, question, you can call it in or text it in at 808-296-1420. Another text question, Russell Wilson or Justin Herbert for quarterback one, QB one? Yeah, to me it's a no-brainer there. It's Justin Herbert. I mean, this kid, first two seasons, the numbers we've never seen before from this position, I still think he has a higher ceiling than that. I think he's the better chance to be an MVP contender. I like the comfort level with the offense and the weapons, so no no doubt about it, Justin Herbert. And here's another text question. Are WR1s with bad quarterbacks like Terry McLaurin and DJ Moore worth taking? Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, debate between those two. I mean, I think they're pretty close in the rankings right now. It's, it's a question of who do you trust a little bit more to get that number one receiver the ball, Carson Wentz or – Baker Mayfield. At this point, I like DJ Moore a little bit better. I just think uh, he's just so valuable to that offense. He's clearly the number two option in anything they do offensively after Christian McCaffrey. Where you have some other guys battling for some balls there, Terry McLaurin. The chemistry of the Wentz hasn't sounded as good. So it's more barely over McLaurin to me. I, I think the problem with both of them is you don't get necessarily that guaranteed big touchdown boost. Another question via the text line, the Zephyr Insurance text line. What rookies are ready for immediate breakout seasons? Ooh. Well, I did uh, mention uh, Brees Hall quite a bit. It might be a little while before he gets going, but I think they still want to give him a high volume there with the Jets. So we're going to watch him, and then we're going to watch all those receivers. I mean, it's interesting how the receivers have kind of shook out here, but George Pickens looks like he's going to have a key role as potentially the number two for the Steelers. Actually, will be helped. If fellow rookie Kenny Pickett was the quarterback and get him the ball downfield, so I would like that. I think Chris Olave, there's an opportunity there because uh, Jarvis Landry's old. He's had injury issues. Michael Thomas is having some as well. So those are two standout rookies for me that uh, can really uh, make a difference here. Now, I think they're sleepers all across the board, but you know, don't get overhyped about rookies. I think you look at the running back still, Ken Walker, and uh, James Cook, some guys that if things break their way a little bit of their backfields, they could have major roles by midseason. Another text question comes an interesting one. Why does Tyree Kill keep dropping in his fantasy football drafts? Well, there's a few reasons for that. We just expect a big drop-off there from Patrick Mahomes to, to a Tyvola, but there's also a lot of great receivers ahead. You have the big three, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase. Maybe you look at Stephon Diggs. Devontae Adams, then you bring in Mike Evans in the mix, and then there's some buzzing receivers right in that range, including A.J. Brown and uh, Michael Pittman Jr. So it just loaded there at the top at wide receiver. So it's not necessarily him being pushed out. I just think there's more guys who can score at his level. And I still think he's a solid top 12 wide receiver for me. I mean, he's just too talented not to be. He's going to get the ball a lot. 
invested in, in plenty of him to help Tua Tagovailoa. So, look, he might be the 10th to 12th receiver off the board, but he could still score big points here and finish easily in the top half of wide receiver ones. Vinny Iyer with the Sporty News and also the host of the Locked On Network Fantasy Football Podcast here with the, uh, the Animals on the Rivals Fantasy Football Show. Vinny, before we let you go, can you let our listeners know about if they need any more access or information from you throughout fantasy football season this year? Can they uh, reach you? Yeah, they can uh, go to sportingnews.com. We've got our team of uh, experts there giving you rankings and advice all throughout the season. I'll have my uh, decider column, which will be the starting sit for every week. So that'll start here in week one so look at that and also if you want more uh, advice daily here uh, we do the locked on fantasy football podcast so we'll do that five days a week it's on right now and it's going to continue that way all throughout the season here and so check it out locked on network and any other favorite teams you have uh, we've got you covered there as well is it, Vinny, is, it is it locked on network.com is that is that the easiest way to find it you can just search Locked On Fantasy Football, and you can find okay. it. Uh, you can gotcha. find it anywhere where you get your podcast. Uh, that would be iTunes, YouTube, wherever. Uh, we're out there, so just look for us and uh, look for any of the Locked On shows. Uh, everyone does a fantastic job on the network. Very educational, Vinny. Thank you for joining us, and uh, have a good rest of your week. And good luck this weekend in fantasy. All right. Thanks a lot. Two more drafts to go. Uh, that's the voice of vinnie Iyer, one of uh fantasy football expert you check out the locked on podcast for his uh locked on network for his podcast and of course you'll see his work at the sporting news well it's time to uh uh finish out wrap up the show i was going to ask him about a a david blau fantasy question (laughs) i couldn't get that in it's time to wrap up the show with our big giveaway what can folks win right now at 808-296-1420. An authentic autograph photo of David and Joku from the Cleveland Browns. Pretty good tight end. A great photo. You will love this. Probably worth about 200 bucks, And you can Whoa. win it by answering a simple Njoku trivia question regarding touchdowns last year. There's Njoku trivia questions already in his young career. Yes. So what's the question going to be? Okay. Let's just give it to everybody. Within two, how many touchdowns did he have last year? Oh, plenty of time to Google that. 808-296-1420. Be a winner from Rivals Waikiki and ESPN Honolulu. This is Rivals Fantasy Football on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. All right, congratulations to our winner. Tanner is on the line. We'll get the name to you coming up here in a second on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. I'm, we have our uh, fantasy draft coming up. By the way, this has been the Rivals Fantasy Football Show. Hit it, Tanner. You've been listening to Rivals Fantasy Football on ESPN Honolulu. Kind of a shaky end to the show. We're a little distracted because we have our fantasy draft coming up in like 24 minutes. And if you go on ESPN.com for some reason, you forget your password. Uh, They say that they're going to uh, email you a code so you can change your password. But it doesn't work. And we've been trying for like two weeks now to do this, and it doesn't work. So I guess I'm out. (laughs) I'm out. I that mean, might be your best you... finish yet. Right, it could be. I mean, I, I, it's like, why would I? Why would you 
play fantasy football if you can't adjust your lineup or you know i can see doing auto draft but um you can't adjust your lineup really unfortunate and I think about two years ago, you and I were the only ones who went through the same thing as we're going through today. Maybe that's a yeah. sign. <laughs> no, I've always been able to remember my password. It's just I've had to change it over the years, and right. it worked. But for some reason, it doesn't work anymore. So they don't send you anything. You get the code. I got the same thing, and I tried my last three passwords. And it got me to log in when I got the password, but it only goes to the home page. I can't get our league to show up, even though it has everything about team. I put my team name GSPN and uh, pre-draft stuff and nothing shows up so we'll see yeah. if nine o'clock is the magic number to get us in somehow Keith just texted in he said tell chris to sign up for a new a new uh team a new uh decline okay all right I, well it's not gonna be time our draft is coming up i'm on the air till nine and then it's our draft <laughs> yeah should have just signed up with a different somehow gmail account or something anyway enough about us <laughs> it's the bobby curran show with the sports animals on espn honolulu 92.7 FM and 14:20 AM, and uh, we will be giving away uh, some UH football tickets. In fact, if you want to go to the UH football game, call in right now at 808-296-1420. We'll give it to caller number two, so you won't have to come down and pick up the tickets. We'll just uh, email them to you. So uh, let us know if you get a name there, Tanner. 808-296-1420. Billy Hull did a great job in the Star Advertiser today. And uh, he's uh, tracked 85 FBS players to watch from Hawaii high schools. And the play, he's, he's got a whole list of them. But the ones to watch, Dylan Gabriel, of course, in the uh, star position as the uh, quarterback for Oklahoma. I mean, it seems if you're the quarterback from Oklahoma, you win the Heisman Trophy. That's kind of how it goes recently, isn't it? They've won a quite a few over the years. Yes, they have. Right. Well, just Baker Mayfield. And who was it before that? Oh, gosh. Uh, well, Kyler, anyway. uh, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Yeah. Um, and Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel is about six feet tall, right? Probably, yes, yes. Not very yeah. tall. Yeah. I mean, he's not. I don't think he's even uh, listed at 6'1". But you know what? They've had success with the shorter guys. It's, it's, it's funny. If I stand next to somebody, I was standing next to Kenny Harrison's youngest son. He's a freshman in high school. He's six feet tall. I thought he was like 6'2". Everyone's so tall as we get older. But that's short. Six feet tall is short. But they've had success with the Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. So it's, who knows? Jalen Hurts was another quarterback there, transferred for his last year. Right. Oklahoma. He didn't win the Heisman no, Trophy, but, but, he, was but he wasn't short either. Right. Yeah. He, um, Jaden Delora. Remember him from St. Louis? He was now, he transferred portaled out of Washington State, and he is the starting quarterback of uh, Arizona. And they've Arizona's run on tough times lately. Yeah, they have. They have, both Arizona and Arizona State. But he had a pretty good year, actually, for Washington State last year. It was pretty good. All things that went on there off the field, he still uh -huh. was pretty productive. Yeah, I mean, he was. It says uh, Billy writes that he was uh, he was named the starter when he arrived on campus. wasn't even close. It was like, yeah, Delore, you're the guy. Hopefully, on the field, uh, off the field, he stays out of trouble. I know he ran into a little trouble off the field, right? When he was at Washington State, uh, Nick Herbig, of course, this is the younger brother of Nate Herbig. Who's is Nate still with the Eagles? I can't remember. No, he's on I think the we Jets. talked about this. He's on the Jets. He's a guard for the Jets. He was on the bicycle at practice yesterday, but he did make the team, of course. 
Um, so his brother is a linebacker at Wisconsin. He, had, he was a sophomore last year, 61 tackles, 14 tackles for loss, nine sacks. Wow, you keep that up, you're, you're going to get drafted pretty high, I would think. Oh, yeah, and a pretty good program in Wisconsin, so that's, that's really, really good for him. And uh, uh, Billy writes about Maris Liufau, uh, a linebacker at Notre Dame, Hawaiian linebacker from Punahou playing for Notre Dame. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Uh, Wayne Talau Papa, uh, Taula Papa, Wayne is uh, now in his ninth year in college football, <laughs> playing for Washington. He's he was four years at Virginia. That was under Bronco Mendenhall, right? Yes, yes and he just so left. he committed to BYU, but then Mendenhall went to Virginia. He went with Mendenhall to Virginia, right? So after four years, uh, he's got one more because of COVID, one more year of eligibility. So now he's going to play at Washington interesting when you think about that but yeah it's good for him I, I it does seem like he's been around for almost nine years he's been around a while i remember watching him in high school it seemed like over a decade ago i'm looking at um you know some of these players and billy lists all the players and this is what i'm getting at here's a player from coppola going to oregon another a player from roosevelt at utah they i'm just going to mention the uh, power five schools um uh, uh Player from St. Louis going to Notre Dame. Player from Coppola going to Washington. Darren Hernandez, all, he sends a lot of kids to D1 schools. Right. You've got a Punahou guy, Duke Clemens, uh, Tanner's good friend, going to UCLA. You have, uh, we mentioned Jaden Delore from St. Louis going to Arizona. You've got another St. Louis guy going to Syracuse. Uh, they're not a Power 5 school, but a Kahuku kid going to BYU. Farrington going to Maryland, Coppola guy going to Virginia. You've got um, Dylan Gabriel going to Oklahoma, of course. And these are all, you know, here's a, a, a Alohi Gilman's brother, uh, Alakai, is going to Stanford. Here's a guy that uh, was on the University of Hawaii football team, Kilohana Hassenritter. He's now a redshirt freshman, I guess, or a freshman at Oregon um st louis herbig at wisconsin the um a player from mililani going to cal another player going to cal um another kid from uh, kamehameha going to syracuse another guy going to oregon all of these i mean it was a little boring a little tedious to listen to that long list but what i was getting at is that look at all the the power five d1 conference talent we have in hawaii man if we could just keep half of those guys if we could this is more depressing article <laughs> if you're a hawaii football fan than anything else if we could have kept half of those guys at the university of hawaii it would be a different story against against um against uh, vanderbilt, vanderbilt last week yeah it really would have been and you can't blame these guys for going to Power 5 schools. I mean, it might offer more opportunities and on the national level like that. I also, it's not in the Billy's list, but I, I saw that uh, Monty Noah Tofono, who was at USC the last couple of years, he transferred to Arizona State. Afatia Thompson was at the UH game last Saturday and told me that. So I'm not sure if he's redshirting or not, but he's at Arizona State. Okay. Has he, he's been, he's, he was at where, USC? He was at USC. I think he redshirted his first year. I'm not sure if last year was a COVID year or not, but I know he's at Arizona uh. State now. 
All right, congratulations to Jason from Palolo, who won the Rainbow Warrior football tickets. Canole, he's got more to give away starting at 12 noon, and then another pair this afternoon with Josh Pacheco here on ESPN Honolulu. Don't forget, call the coach tonight at Ruby Tuesday, Moanalua, uh, Coach Timmy Chang and his Chang gang, and uh, hopefully you, and we know John Veneri is going to be there. A lot of the staff from ESPN Honolulu will be in attendance. So come on down and join us, 6 o'clock at Ruby Tuesday in the Moanalua Shopping Center. Okay, I figured it out. I found out my, I guessed my password. I'm in. I was very disappointed. You and I can't even finish this show. We're very distracted. We're Fantasy Football League is uh, coming up. And uh, go ahead, Gary. <laughs> well, it's very relieving that we are in there, so that is a good See, thing. See, at this time, if I was working back at the Hot Rock and Flame throwing 93 FMQ or the Super Q KQMQ or uh crater 96 i would just play a long song and we'd be off there's no songs to play can you play the rest of kalapana <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just end on kalapana today <laughs> hey, it was a great show for uh two hours and uh 50 minutes <laughs> yeah now now we're really under pressure now hey guys i just wanted to bring up something i know we're talking so much football i just want to bring up this topic one more time about albert Pujols. hit another homer on mondays at 694 can anybody convince me or anybody if he ends up with 699, he's still going to retire? That's crazy. He keeps saying he's retiring at the end of the year, no matter what the number is. But let's say he ends up with 699. How can you do that? How can you retire with just one home run short of but 700? What's, but what's the difference? How many does he have now? 694. Okay. What's the? To me, there's no difference in retiring at 694. Or 699. No, but is if he there? ends up with 699, how can you retire before you get one more for 700? I'm saying if he gets five more and is one short of 700. Right, but how can you retire with six more? Six more is so it's so close. No, six you, more gets it to him. It's six, 694 or 700. Right, what I'm getting at is if he finishes the season at 694, to me, oh. that's still incentive to come yeah. back next year. Yeah, right? right. You me know, too, maybe yeah. you play in, uh, you know, 30 games and maybe you, you get those. I say... Take steroids, because they're not going to find out. Just steroid up, finish off, and right off into the sunset, right? Not that, actually, not that steroids actually help you hit home runs. They don't right? hurt Asbury Bonds. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. But if, but if you're yeah. one short, I agree with you on 694, you come back. I think you'll hit a few more. And he's playing, it seemed like he, before he was playing like once every three games or so. He's hitting 275. Now it looks like he's every other game, maybe even a little bit more lately. So I'm sure they're going to try to get it to him this year, give him the opportunities to get that at those many at-bats. But if you're just one short, how could you do that? I mean, I, I give him credit if he does, but I think the fans – Everybody in baseball would love to see him come back and hit 700. He's one of the good guys. He's not A-Rod. He's not Bonds. He's not one of the cheaters. And He's not a Dodger. Oh, he, he was last year <laughs> for about two months. 
Oh, I didn't remember that, really? The Angels released him, and he signed with the Dodgers, and he played in the postseason a little bit for them, and they ended up uh, losing to the uh, Braves in the mm. NLCS. But he was on them for a while, but you're back in okay. St. Louis. Okay, so um, I, I, I see, since we're on baseball, we got a couple of minutes left. I heard the argument on uh, Tony Kornheiser yesterday, and uh, they were talking about the MVP. And should the MVP be Aaron Judge? who's having an unbelievable year, or, again, Shohei Otani pops up. Shohei Otani is a great hitter. Not a great uh, hitter. He's hitting about 260, but he's got 27 or 8 homers and about 70 RBIs. Right. So he's a really good hitter. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. He's a really good hitter, and he's a pitcher, too. He's a great pitcher. And the only reason Shohei Otani will not win the MVP is because he plays for a bad team. That's what I don't like. But that, that, that shows his value, which is really important. I said this last year when he did win it. I think Vladimir Guerrero a Jr. at Toronto should have won it. He kept him in the playoff run until the last week of the season. But this year, Aaron Judge has got 51 homers now, 105 or 6 RBIs, whatever it is, hitting 297. They're in first place. I think he's more valuable than O'Connor's value is. Uh, okay, but are they only valuable? Well, that's a key he, word. It's 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 – Right, it is, but it should be to the best player in baseball. But then they call it the best player, most outstanding. When they say most valuable, I look at it literally, most valuable. Okay, so one player is supposed to be the entire team. There's oh, he, nine guys out there. There are nine guys out there on your team. If you have one great player, one great player is not going to carry you to the playoffs. That's the sport of baseball. So why blame that on Shohei Otani? Because the Angels have a bunch of other plugs. Because the, the, and, the Sorry, I know they have Mike Trout. The title, well, he, he missed about two months. He's back now and doing really right. well. But it says most valuable. So they're both valuable in their own right. But as far as the most, I think it's a no-brainer that it's Aaron Judge this year. Look at look at how the Yankees have done in August. And look at how, look at how Judge and the Yankees have done in August. Look how Shohei Otani and the Angels have done in August. Angels better Yankees trending down. If Judge is so good, why have they only won like eight games in August? Why you is that? The, 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 award is, the award is not based on one month. It's based on 162 games. And if you look at 162 games, it's clearly Judge being more valuable. One of the reasons, the main reason they've been as good as they are. They've got good pitching, but not huh. Garrett Cole's been inconsistent. Other guys for some reason, For some reason, Siri was listening to the conversation and just oh. told me that the Yankees are playing the Angels today. They are. So why don't they have that settle it? So Shohei Otani <laughs> will pitch to Judge. If Judge gets a hit, Judge is the MVP. Okay. If he strikes him out, Shohei is the MVP. Yes. They should do that every year. Have the top two guys have a home run derby on October 2nd and battle it out that way. Think of the TV ratings and the tickets being sold at a stadium for that. Man. All right. Uh, check out uh, Kanoa Leahy today at 12 noon. Let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy. Josh Pacheco at 3 o'clock, and they've got your – Rainbow Warrior football tickets that you can win. Also, don't forget, call the coach with Timmy Chang. You in the Brotherhood? Show up and support tonight, 6 p.m. at Ruby Tuesday, Moana Lua. We'll see you there at 6. We'll see if Gary Dickman actually shows up for one of these two. ESPN Honolulu.